ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Live Lord Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Lucy Rodin from Wave TV. We're going to get Lucy's thoughts on the NCAA tournament and a really cool bracket challenge she's doing for a good cause. We'll catch up with Lucy later on, and uh, you'll certainly enjoy that conversation with the Hawkeye Angel herself, uh, Lucy Rodine here on the Jones Report. Also later on, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group and our Tom Fullery story of the day as well to end the show. Appreciate you all spending your hours with us here on the Jones Report. And Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, we've waited two years. It's finally here. The NCAA Tournament. Oh my gosh, uh, what a relief to finally have this day come. We have, we've been full circle now to uh, get to this day that we've been waiting for a long time. I'm pumped for uh, this all to get started here uh, on a Thursday and Friday. Yeah, you already know what I'm doing this weekend, sitting back watching the tournament. Uh, it's pretty much what's in the plans for me. So uh, we'll be alcohol free, unfortunately, but um, I will still get an enjoyment out of it. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, the, the way this is going to work, of course, 68 teams, 67 games in 18 days, all in the state of Indiana, within the Indianapolis area. Um, you know, it's going to be a different tournament. This is going to be different than any tournament we've ever seen before. We will never see one like this again. This format of having a central location, a bubble of sorts. Um, you know, we're going to see games on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday schedule for the first time. We're going to see regional finals on Mondays and Tuesdays. I mean, th this is unknown territory we're about to experience, but bring it. Just show it all to me. I, I don't care at this point, even if you know, they experiment with stuff in this tournament that doesn't work, whatever it may be. Just the fact we're getting to this day is quite an accomplishment in itself. I could not be more ready uh, for this all to unfold. Should be a lot of fun over these uh, next few weeks, Tom. It's, it's the best time of the year. Yeah, I'm thinking so. And I'm just glad I didn't care if it was in, you know, I didn't care where it was at as long as it could happen. Um, so looking forward to hopefully seeing Oklahoma State do well. Uh, can't get any better than that. You know, after two years and Oklahoma State not being in it for however long, it's it's, uh, it's a double win in my book. Yeah, and we're going to break down this bracket region by region. We're also going to talk about the Big 12 teams and their position in this tournament as well. Uh, throughout today's show and get you equipped with everything you need to know and also so you're ready to fill out your bracket. We'll have all that information for you uh, on today's show. But before we get to the, the Big 12 picture of this bracket, let's just go through this thing region by region, starting with region number one. Gonzaga gets the number one overall seed, and rightfully so, the Zags, we're undefeated this season, dominating the West Coast Conference. And you see what they did in the non-conference, beating teams like Kansas and Iowa 
and, you know, just rolling everyone that was in their way. And the talent on this team, you know, they have an NBA roster with guys that are there, you know, NBA talents. Uh, Mark Few, as good as any coach in college basketball this year, no arguing from me. This Gonzaga team's legit. Um, you know, this is not the Gonzaga team a couple years ago that was undefeated and then lost in the second round to, uh, you know, Wichita State. This is a whole nother animal of this Gonzaga team. Um, really a, a special bunch there. I mean, credit where credit's due. I know folks have you know, used COVID as a way to detract from teams, to take away credit of some sorts of this year. But uh, Gonzaga's earned everything that's put them in this position. This is a legit team. I know that Gonzaga's had years where they've come up short, where, you know, it, it seemed at times inevitable that they were going to lose, uh, you know, whether it was you know, bounced out early in the second round or Sweet 16, didn't accomplish the goals that were ahead of them of some sorts. But you look at what they did a couple of years ago, finally getting to the title game, although they did lose to North Carolina no one is sleeping on this Gonzaga team. This is well-earned, and without question, Tom, this is the team to beat that people are going to have to go through. It is the Zags. Yeah, I mean, they've been playing well all year, and, you know, a lot of focus, I feel like, has been on Baylor and even Illinois as well. And, you know, Gonzaga deserves every bit of that top seed. And, uh, you know, you mentioned they get bounced out of, you know, a couple of years ago when they had high hopes. And uh, for some reason this year feels different. I don't know if it's, you know, due to the COVID or whatever you want to call it, but this team feels more focused than in years past, I guess. Yeah. And they'll face the winner of Norfolk state and Appalachian state. And I know that Norfolk state has a 15 seat upset Missouri about a decade ago. And obviously we know what happened with Virginia as the number one overall seed a couple of years back. This would be so shocking um, if Gonzaga doesn't find a way out of that first round uh, would be something beyond belief. But Gonzaga's legit. They're, they're awesome. Oklahoma taking on Missouri in an 8-9 matchup. Um, Oklahoma at one point was a top-10 team, and they really just hit a wall as of late, the Sooner Bunch did. And, you know, th there was a point where Oklahoma was looked at as, you know, potentially the second best team in the Big 12 Conference. A lot of people were really high on the Sooners. Mizzou had a good run there for a while as well. But both these teams have really just struggled within the last few weeks to end the season. And then Oklahoma gets news that Harmon is out because of covid and, you know, Oklahoma, I think, was favored in this game before. They were about a, a one-point favorite. Now you take Harmon out. That might be the difference here. Um, I still lean towards OU, Tom, but uh, they're going to have to play an A game. Uh, they're going to need all bodies involved. If you're looking for a spin zone for the Sooners in that 8-9 matchup, um, when they were on their win streak, when they made their way to the top ten, they were never – uh, you know, fully loaded. They had guys that they were without during that stretch. So they've been here before. Um, they just haven't played great as of late. So I favor OU there, but I'm not confident at all in that pick. I don't think OU or Mizzou, either one, can hang with Gonzaga either. Uh, whoever wins this game is just playing to lose to Gonzaga anyway. 
Yeah, it feels like that. But, you know, it is March, so some crazier things have happened. Um, and, you know, after seeing Virginia lose, um, you know, a few years ago, I don't rule out anything. Um, but it, it still does feel like this Gonzaga team's different, that they're not going to make a mistake uh, so early. Okay. How about uh, Creighton and uh, UC Santa Barbara? Creighton uh, got just pummeled in the Big East Championship game against Georgetown on Saturday night. And, you know, Doug McDermott, their head coach, he did come back after uh, being suspended for, uh, you know, for his uh, racially sensitive comments. And so there's some turmoil in that bunch. UC Santa Barbara, this is a popular pick. A lot of folks are leaning towards UC Santa Barbara to uh, get this one done. Uh, Tom Creighton, uh, you know, I, I, I've seen them right here in, in Omaha. It's been an, an up and down year for this team. They are a five seed here, but uh, th- this Creighton team is uh, in for a fight right away. I mean, you, you see Santa Barbara. I don't see them laying down for anybody. I think they're going to give Creighton all they can handle. Yeah, I think so, too. This is one of those 12-5 matchups to tell you to watch for. Um, definitely could be an upset pick early um, for UC Santa Barbara. I could see them pulling this game out, but, uh, you know, Creighton could, could prove, prove a few people wrong. I, I don't necessarily see them losing this game, you know, right off the bat, you know, we'll, we'll get to Arkansas Colgate later on, but, uh, this is not one that I think is a huge chance for an upset, but, uh, still 12, five, you just got to watch for it. Yeah. I like Creighton to advance, but I think it's going to be a competitive game. Virginia taking on Ohio in a 4-13 matchup. And the story of this game is the COVID issues with Virginia. They had to pull out the ACC title. It doesn't look like that they're going to be uh, all together, that everyone's going to be available for this game against Ohio here. Uh, Golden opportunity for Ohio to uh, try to advance to take on a shorthanded Virginia team. Virginia's been very good this year, Uh, one of the better teams in the ACC here. But if they're not at full strength, uh, watch out. And as we noted earlier, Virginia has been upset in the first round before. The only team to lose to a 16 seed. Um, you know, it, Virginia's got to be ready to go right away because uh, being at, not at full strength, Ohio is going to give them all they can handle. Yeah, they are. It's going to be – Virginia's got to got to be on their P's and Q's for this game, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, because them not being a full strength, that's that just smells like an upset waiting to happen. Yeah, um, and uh, of course, you know the winner of that game would get either Creighton or U, uh, UC Santa Barbara. Uh, I like Creighton to get out of that uh, to find their way to the Sweet Sixteen, but certainly won't be easy there. Um, how about USC as the six seed? They'll take on the winner of Wichita State and Drake. Oh my gosh, um, this is tough. USC had a really good year. Head coach Andy Enfield, of course, he was at Florida Gulf Coast a a few years back, getting them to the Sweet 16s, done a good job with this USC team this year. Wichita State won the American Conference Championship. Drake had an incredible year uh, in uh, the Missouri Valley, winning more games than they've won in a long time. They had one of the nation's longest winning streaks for a while here. Wichita State and Drake are both underseeded, in my opinion. Both of them should be higher than 11 seeds. It's a shame that they're going to play an elimination game before the tournament really even starts uh, in uh, that game coming up Thursday night. 
I could see any of these three teams advancing to the second round. I would lean towards USC because I think they're more talented, but um, you could make a case for any of these three teams, whether it's USC, Wichita State, or Drake advancing. None of that would surprise me. I like all three of these teams. Just a damn shame that they have to, you know, that two of them are going to go home, you know, after the first round here, Tom. Yeah, you know, I was looking at that matchup. And I thought, man, like if these were teams seated just even a little bit differently, uh, maybe, you know, all three of these could win their first game. Um, but, I, you know, I like USC. I like what they've been able to do this season. I thought they've looked pretty good um, and, and just all-around solid team, in my opinion. But <clears throat> you mentioned Wichita State winning their conference and, you know, Wichita State being one of those teams always does well. Drake seems to be always there, too. So you saying that, you know, any of these teams could could make it there 110 um, percent. I mean, Drake may be least likely to do so, but I wouldn't be shocked. Right. And then comes Kansas, who plays Eastern Washington. Kansas is, uh, you know, they're going to get David McCormick back and, and that will be big. Um, Jalen Wilson will be available for a game on Monday in the second round. Um, KU playing a little shorthanded with their COVID issues. They had to drop out of the Big 12 tournament. Look, I'm not worried about Eastern Washington, and maybe uh, I should be, um, but I'm not concerned about Eastern Washington at all. Um, Kansas should be fine there. It's the next round of playing either USC, Wichita State, or Drake that worries me for Kansas. Um, those three teams all could beat KU. They could. In fact, I, I have USC beating Kansas in the second round. Um, you know, KU, it's been a roller coaster season. They've played better down, you know, down the stretch. But these COVID issues that have risen up with this team, I can't trust this Kansas team. And, Tom, we followed all season long. You know how I felt about KU, that I could just never get that trust level established. I think KU is, is the most talented of that bunch. And by talent, they should get to the Sweet 16 but with these COVID issues and just with the inconsistency, I can't trust them. That's why I got them getting past Eastern Washington. But I don't think KU gets to the second weekend. You know, it would be interesting to see. I think it really depends on who they play and, and how those games go. I mean, you know, if you're Kansas, you, I think you would want one of UC or not anybody but USC, in my opinion, just because the other team would be coming, you know, off two games instead of one. Uh, you know, maybe you shoot for Wichita State. Did they play Wichita State earlier in the season? They did not. In fact, the last time they played Wichita State in the NCAA tournament, you go back to 2015 in Omaha, and Wichita State upset a two-seed Kansas team. Well, maybe it's time for some revenge. <laughs> maybe so. I don't find it coincidental that the committee put this possible matchup out there too, to uh, happen, but – uh, KU's going to have their hands full, that's for sure, trying to get out of that second weekend. But uh, we'll see there. Uh, the last uh, group of that first region, you got Oregon taking on VCU. Oregon had a very good year in the Pac-12, um, but then you know didn't have a whole lot of success in the Pac-12 tournament. VCU, they've been consistently in the tournament for quite some time here. Toss-up game, really, that, that, that could go either way. Um, but, you know, I, I would lean towards Oregon. You know, Dana Altman is one of the top 10, 15 coaches in college basketball. 
He's done a really good job with that Oregon program. He knows how to win in March. I think you look at two things when it comes to brackets, Tom. Guards win in March, and who's got the better coaches? Dana Altman's an elite coach. I'm, I'm riding Dana Altman. I'll take him to, to get past VCU and get to the second round. I think so, too. I think for Oregon, I think they could be rated higher than a seven either. Um, <clears throat> as far as talent level goes, I think they're better than a seven. Yeah. Uh, last one for you. Iowa taking on Grand Canyon University. Iowa led by Luca Garza, who's had a terrific career. We're going to talk more about him when Lucy Rodine joins us later on in the show. But this guy's just been a beast. He's not athletic, you know, he, but he gives all the effort he can. He's a scoring machine. And uh, I, I just don't see any way that Grand Canyon can stop Luca Garza. Uh, this guy's fun to watch every time he touches a basketball. Um, Luca and company, you know, they'll be tested by Oregon, I think, you know, in that second round. But I ex- fully expect I would be I'd be shocked if uh, Luca and Iowa don't find their way into the second weekend here. They'll, they'll take care of business against Grand Canyon. Then I like them to beat Oregon after that, Tom. I think so, too. I, I You know, Oregon's, or not, not Oregon. Oregon's been good, too. But, you know, Iowa, I think, will be too much. They've been kind of sneaky. Um, sneaky good. Kind of under the radar, not too flashy. Nothing too crazy out of Iowa, at least in my opinion. I don't think they've made huge noise. Um, not like they could have or not like they can. Um, so I, I like them to to make some noise finally, you know, in this tournament. I think they can really stand out and be a, be a true player in this, uh, in this dance. Yeah. Let's go to Region 2. That's where Baylor is the one seed, the Big 12 regular season champion, taking on Hartford. Baylor, uh, Tom, got off to a great start to the year. Then they had that COVID pause. And then they stumbled for a bit, but they recovered nicely to end the regular season, getting that Big 12 title. But then you lose to Oklahoma State, which was one of the best games of championship week. That Baylor-Oklahoma State game was just phenomenal. Uh, Kate Cunningham went off in that second half. You know what? I look at Baylor, Tom, and they lost to a great team at Oklahoma State. It's going to happen. That's not the end of the world to me that they lost to Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. Um, Baylor here, they get past Hartford. I think this Baylor team is going to make a lot of noise. I really like what, what Scott Drew and company's got. We mentioned guards win in March with Jared Butler and company. They have the guards and, and Scott Drew, um, Scott Drew is getting more and more respect by the day. They got the guards. They got the coach. Yeah, I think so too. And, and I, I don't, th- I think maybe the best thing for Baylor was to lose against Oklahoma state. I think it kind of woke them up. Um, you know, of course, they wanted to win the Big 12 championship. Um, but I, in all honesty, I, I think to kind of refocus them, I think that's one of those refocus losses. Yeah. Um, that, could, that could end up really helping Baylor. Good. Uh, North Carolina takes on Wisconsin. North Carolina had a down year, but they finished strong. They got off to a much better finish to this year than, than what they were at at one point. One time we were talking about North Carolina potentially missing the tournament and they end up as an eight seed. Wisconsin had high hopes this year uh, to be a really good elite team in the Big Ten. Didn't quite work out. They're a nine seed. Um, although the analytics, the, the Ken Palm folks like this Wisconsin team a bit. Um, damn the analytics, Tom, on this one. Uh, I'd like North Carolina to win, but I think that's a very close, very good matchup. 
I don't think either team can beat Baylor, though. I think Baylor uh, gets to the Sweet 16 with ease. Uh, you know, that, that works out pretty favorably, I think, for them for that first weekend to have Hartford and then either North Carolina or Wisconsin. Yeah, I think so, too. And either UNC or Wisconsin is going to be wore out. That's going to be one of the games that I definitely watch because I, th- I think that's going to be a hell of a game. Villanova taking on Winthrop. Winthrop has lost one game this year. Villanova not playing great to end the season. It's been an up-and-down year for Villanova. We know about their success in the tournament. Jay Wright's an elite head coach. Tom, this is one of my, my upsets. Uh, Winthrop's had a hell of a year. Um, you know, a very good team. I think Winthrop gets by Villanova. I like them to win that one in the uh, first round, Tom. Yeah, I like Villanova in that round, but again, that's the 12-5 matchup. Those have been known to, to, to swing it towards an upset. So I think I don't, I don't think you're wrong in taking Winthrop. I think that's a, a game, a sneaky game to watch. I think Villanova could definitely lose that game. I, I, I have them winning, but I uh, would not be shocked if Winthrop pulls that off. Yeah, and uh, the winner of that Villanova-Winthrop game would face the winner of Purdue and North Texas. North Texas is the uh, Conference USA champion. Purdue been kind of an under-the-radar team. As good as the Big Ten has been, as much as people have talked about the Big Ten, Purdue has just kind of hung around of sorts. And I think of the four seeds, Purdue's probably the weakest one. I like Purdue to get by North Texas, but not only do I have Winthrop beating Vill- Villanova, Tom, I think Winthrop gets past Purdue, too. I, I-, I don't think uh, – I got Winthrop as one of my sleeper Sweet 16 teams. I don't think uh, Purdue gets past the second weekend. No, really. You're that high on Winthrop. I I like it. I like that pick. Um, Purdue has not, you know, impressed me. I think you're right. They're probably the weakest of the four. And, you know, if, if Winthrop can pull that Villanova win off, I think that, that might just be enough momentum for them to, to actually swing a Sweet 16 out of this. Texas Tech taking on Utah State. Utah State out of the Mountain West. Texas Tech uh, with a sixth seed. And Texas Tech's had some impressive wins this year, but kind of up and down. The the problem with Texas Tech, Tom, and and why I don't think Texas Tech can go far in this tournament is they've had the same issue all season. It's been their lack of offense. Credit to Chris Beard for getting what he can out of this bunch but the offense just isn't there for this Texas Tech team, I don't think. I think they get past Utah State, but I don't think that this is a Big 12 team that can go very far with the lack of offense. you, you got to have the guards to win in March, and they don't have them. No, I don't think they do either. And to be fair, I think they're the first Big 12 team out. Yeah, um, they very well could be. Um, as uh, they would face the winner of Arkansas and Colgate. And, and Arkansas's had a tremendous year. To get to this point, Eric Musselman's done a hell of a job in uh, just his second year with that program, got to the, uh, you know, the second place in the SEC in the regular season, uh, you know, got to the semifinals of the SEC tournament. That's a really good team. Colgate is – Top 20, according to the net, third-ranked three-point shooting team in the country. Tom, you got to pick upsets. You got to find them out there. Um, I know I said analytics be damned earlier, 
but I'm going to use reverse psychology this time. I got to go. I'm going to go with the nerds, and this is one of my upsets. I think that we have a high-scoring affair, and it plays well for Colgate. I like them to pull it off against Arkansas. You know, a lot of people are taking Colgate. I see it the opposite way. I don't think that Colgate's going to be able to pull this off. I believe in Arkansas. Um, a lot of people are picking against them, and I, I think they know that. And so I think they're going to come prepared and, and, and you know, prove these upset people wrong. So um, you mentioned that you don't have Texas Tech going very far. I got Colgate, with their three-point shooting, being able to get to the Sweet 16, getting past Arkansas and Texas Tech to pull off some big upsets. Are you going with Arkansas to get past Texas Tech, I assume? Uh, yes, yes, that is who I have. Um, I, you know, I, I think Arkansas, you know, despite the loss to LSU, um, I, I think they'll be okay. Um, now, as far as making it, you know, I don't think they're making it to the Elite Eight. Or, I mean, I guess, yeah, that's a that's a good – you know, it'll be tough. It'll be tough. I, It really depends. I could say, like I said, I could see Colgate doing it more than Utah State beating Tech. Um, but – Something about Tech, I you know, I think whoever faces Tech is going to beat them in the second round. Okay. Um, Florida and a Virginia Tech 7-10 matchup there. I don't really like either one of those teams. I'd give Florida the edge, but, uh, you know, the, the loser, whoever wins that game is just setting up to lose to Ohio State. Uh, I'm not a fan of either one of those teams and, and what they're doing this year. You go to that next game, Ohio State Oral Roberts, um, ORU is a really good 15 seed. They can score points. Uh, you know, Abram is the leading scorer in the country, uh, plays for ORU. This is as tough of a 215 matchup as you could ask for for Ohio State. I do think Ohio State gets by, um, but I do like them just fine against Florida or Virginia Tech. I'd favor Virginia Tech, but there's no reason why. Ohio State shouldn't be in the Sweet 16 by the end of the weekend. Yeah, I would be shocked. Um, and and part of me, obviously, I think we'll be, both be pulling for, you know, ORU here. Um, I don't see that happening, though. But uh, you, you got to think Ohio State has a chance, I, in my opinion, to go to make an Elite Eight run. Yeah, yeah. You certainly With the way it's set up, I, I think so. Yeah. All right. Let's go to uh, the uh, the number three region, and uh, that would be where Michigan is the one seed, and uh, Michigan would face the uh, winner of Mount St. Mary's and Texas Southern in the first round. Uh, Michigan, of the four one seeds, Tom, um, Michigan is the one, I think, that is the most vulnerable. They have really struggled down the stretch. Uh, losing to Ohio State, Illinois, uh, Michigan State. I mean, they have just not been the same team that they once were. About two or three weeks ago, I think you and I had a conversation. Wow, Michigan, they might be right up there with Gonzaga and Baylor. And then they, they played their worst basketball of the year within the last week and a half. I mean, this team just – what the hell happened to Michigan here? It makes no sense. Um, Michigan – I'm not worried about that one sixteen game, but then against LSU or St. Bonaventure, I got L. I got a you know St. Bonnie, uh, you know, beating LSU, 
But I think St. Bonnie or LSU, either one, could give Michigan some problems. And, and it wouldn't shock me one bit if they end up getting upset in the, in the second round with the way Michigan's played as of late. All right, you're exactly correct. And I, I had taken LSU and then took LSU to beat Michigan specifically because Michigan just kind of laid an egg there. I don't know what happened. Uh, you know, they played well all season, obviously, one seed. And, uh, you know, at the end, just have not been playing great basketball as, as of late. So uh, I, I think they're maybe the, the most sus one seed that could get upset. Yeah. Um, also in uh, that region there, uh, Colorado takes on Georgetown. Georgetown, out of nowhere, ends up winning the Big East Conference Tournament. Patrick Ewing, I think they know who you are now at MSG, in case they didn't know. I think you don't have to worry about a credential the next time you go to MSG. Colorado got to the Pac-12 title game. Colorado had a very good year. We talk about 5-12 upsets, Tom. This might be the most popular of riding this Georgetown team who played really well last week there at the Garden. Yeah, I mean, Georgetown getting hot at the right time. Uh, Colorado, a little, you know, I said, used this word before, a little sus. Um, not sure what they're going to be able to do. Um, but I, I would be shocked Georgetown pulls this off. I wouldn't be shocked if, if Georgetown, like I said, playing well at the right time. That's what you need. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked to see them make a, you know, maybe even a little run. Yeah, I, I think Georgetown has a decent path to get to the second weekend. Because um, then you face the winner of Florida State and UNCG. And Florida State, um, arguably the best team in the ACC this year, it's been a roller coaster for Florida State. That's a team, kind of like what I mentioned with Kansas, Tom, I can't trust. I cannot trust Florida State. Leonard Hamilton's a very good coach, but there's something about this Florida State team I can't trust um, Georgetown of the tw 12 seeds has the best chance to make it to that second weekend. I, I like their matchups. It plays very well for them to get Colorado, then potentially Florida state after that. Yeah. And, and Florida state, I think it could even make some noise. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, that, that whole little section there, I, I think is primed for some, not only upsets, but just great basketball. Yeah. Um, and then you go past that. You get BYU taking on the winner of Michigan State-UCLA. Michigan State-UCLA is going to be a heck of a ball game. One of the best four, first four games we've ever seen. Two very good teams, especially in Michigan State, the way they played as of late. Um, BYU is going to have their hands full uh, with either one of these teams that they face. Personally, Tom, I think Michigan State gets by uh, UCLA, and then I like them to beat BYU. Um, but then after that, you have Texas and Adeline Christian. Some folks are picking Adeline Christian to get the upset. I think that's a reach. Uh, this Texas team, talent-wise, is one of the top five most talented teams in the league. And we've seen them emerge the way they won the Big 12 tournament. Texas is now getting hot, playing some of their best ball all season long. Um, you got about four teams in that that, could, that are – capable of going to the second weekend at BYU, Michigan State, UCLA, and Texas. I ultimately like a Texas-Michigan State matchup, but we're going to see some really good games in that bunch. Texas should still be the team you pick, but they're going to have their work cut out for them. That's some good teams there. Yeah, I think they I think they do have their work cut out for them, but it's, I don't think it's a challenge that 
that Shaka Smart can can uh, not live up to. I mean, the way that the way that they played against Oklahoma State, Texas looked like a complete team. I mean, they've got the guards with the emergence of Sims. He played out of this world, and I know that you know I know Oklahoma State struggles uh, with with obviously big big uh, forwards, but still, I mean, Sims just kind of played out of his mind. And Sims, so I, Sims is unbelievable right now. Um, yeah, I mean, if he, if he keeps that up, this team can make the Elite Eight, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about Texas being a Final Four team, and I don't think that's crazy. Uh, Texas can get there. Uh, will they? We'll see. Uh, Connecticut taking on Maryland. Uh, and uh, in this game here, UConn, this is their return of sorts. You know, they got one of the Hurley brothers as their head coach. First year back in the Big East. Here's, you know, Connecticut making their return to the tournament. Uh, Maryland has had some big-time wins uh, in the Big Ten. They get in the tournament as a 10 seed here. This is a 7-10 matchup where I like the 10 seed in this case, Tom. And and uh, it's because of the track record of Maryland. Maryland uh, has proven that they can win some big games. They've had some nice wins in the Big Ten this year despite – getting that low seed of being a 10, uh, they've, they've shown that they can compete with some top teams. Yeah, Maryland Maryland can do it. And, you know, I like this game. This will be another game that I think I'm going to try to watch. You know, one of those key games I'm going to just focus on and be like, yes, I want to watch this game. Um, just because how good, you know, both these teams can be. I, I think I think that's a game that comes down to the wire. I think that's one that, you know, you're, you're watching on ESPN the next day thinking – Here's the highlights from this game. How good was this game? Yeah. And then Alabama and Iona. Uh, incredible year for Alabama. They win the SEC regular season and the SEC tournament. Uh, it's just unfair. Alabama's allowed to be good at football and basketball. That, that's just – that can't be the case, but it certainly is. Nate Oates has done a terrific job. They're a really good three-point shooting team. Um, Alabama is something special of what they have there. Taking on Iona, who's coached by Rick Pitino. Look, I know that he's got a shady history, a shady past, but Rick Pitino makes college basketball fun. College basketball is better with Rick Pitino. They weren't supposed to win their conference tournament. They were like the eighth seed in their conference tournament. And yet here they are. They find a way to get in. Now they're going to play Alabama. Um, I'm looking forward to this 215 matchup. I think Alabama wins, um, but it certainly has some good storylines to have Rick Patino involved here, Tom. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it, you mentioned fun. I think that's the perfect word for it. Yeah. And then Alabama would get the winner if they were to win, uh, get the winner of Connecticut and Maryland. The way that Alabama stacked, stacked up with their talents, um, you know, they, Alabama should be fine to get that second weekend. I'm not concerned. They're, I think if you're buying stock of some sorts, that's a good team to put your stock in in Alabama to ride that wave to get to, to, to uh, the Sweet 16. Yeah, I mean, I think Alabama, I think it's, a, in my mind, with the way they've been playing this season, I wouldn't doubt. Uh, they're, I have them making the Sweet 16, no, no problem. All right, we got one more region for you. This is region number four. Illinois, the one seed, taking on Drexel. 
Illinois has been phenomenal to finish this year. Brad Underwood's done a great job with that team. Um, you know, they got an elite head coach. They got great talent with Io and and uh, you know Kofi and a couple of those guys. It's a big physical team, but I mean they, they do it all. I love what this Illinois team has put together. And right now, Tom, you know Gonzaga's undefeated. Yes, they are on their own pedestal. But after Gonzaga, without question, the hottest team in the nation is Illinois right now. This team is uh, is playing some great basketball right now. They are, when you take Gonzaga out of the picture, this is the team that's the team to beat right now going in. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Illinois, you know, I even have them, you know, winning in one of my brackets. I, th- I mean, I, that's not crazy to think that could happen, and, and they've been playing good. It does pain me a little bit to see uh, Brad Underwood do so well after he left Oklahoma State. Um, but, I mean, it's not crazy to think that, hey, okay, Oklahoma State took this guy. Um, now he's doing so well at Illinois. I mean, and what, he's been there, what, three years, and they're top-seated Final oh, yeah. Four bound, essentially. And he's won everywhere he's been. Brad Underwood has so happy for Brad to see him doing well in Illinois and watch out that team is dangerous folks um, then you have Loyola and Georgia Tech Georgia Tech Josh Pastor and company great run of the ACC tournament last week to win the ACC tournament title first time since 1990 Loyola Chicago has been a borderline top 25 team all season and they win the Missouri Valley they win the Missouri Valley tournament and we saw what they did getting to the Final Four a few years ago. Sister Jean's been vaccinated. She's going to make the trip. Both these teams uh, at 8-9, I think, at least in the case of Loyola Chicago anyway, for sure, are underseated. This is a really good 8-9 matchup. Um, it's a shame that somebody's got to lose in the first round here. I lean towards Loyola Chicago, but this is a coin flip game for me, Tom. Yeah, it's a coin flip game for me, too. Uh, I mean, this is going to be one to watch. Maybe not the best basketball, but some of the best, you know, I, I feel like not like I'm trying to think of how to put this. Not the best basketball, but some of the best, you know, competitiveness. Uh, another game, I think, can come down to the wire and go, like you said, coin flip. Um, you know, Georgia Tech, if they get that win, then they're riding a big wave of momentum. For Loyola Chicago, um, not only are we talking about for what they've done, their body of work for the season, which has been tremendous, and to have this, to have a win against Georgia Tech would be great. But if Loyola Chicago gets to play Illinois, who's just down the road from them, the, the big cats of that state, if they get to play them in the second round, we talked about a little bit with Wichita State, if they got to play Big Brother and KU, that would be even bigger for Loyola Chicago if they can try to pull off an upset against Illinois. I really like this Illinois team, but you want to talk storylines, Loyola Chicago and Illinois would be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it would. I mean, obviously in the in the same state, um, Loyola Chicago. I, I saw an expert um, bracket pick Loyola Chicago to beat Illinois and then to beat Oklahoma State. Um, so it's not like, you know, Illinois is a stretch. Um, but if they can do that, I mean, we're talking, uh, this could be a true Cinderella. Yeah. 
Tennessee takes on Oregon State in that 5-12 matchup. Oregon State won the Pac-12 tournament out of nowhere. They wouldn't have even been in the NCAA tournament had they not won the Pac-12 tournament title. Tennessee, uh, pretty good year for Rick Barnes' crew to be, you know, getting a five seed and such. Um, the way Oregon State played the Pac-12 tournament, though, um, the, the Beavs actually might even, you know, be favored here. I, I, I don't even remember what the line is, but that's going to be a popular 5-12 pick to ride with Oregon State. In fact, I'll ride with Oregon State, too. You know, I'd like to see two OSUs play. I mean, they didn't get a chance to play in football earlier this year. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't mind seeing the two uh, orange OSUs go to work. Um, you mentioned the other OSU, Oklahoma State, a four seed. By the way, uh, this was ter- a terrible job by the committee. The biggest mistake they made was Oklahoma State as a four seed. They should have been a two, at least a three. Um, just ridiculous that Oklahoma State's going to be a four seed uh, with what they've done. You know, West Virginia gets a three seed, and didn't Oklahoma State just beat them twice in one week? Was anyone paying attention here? Uh, we've talked about Kate Cunningham all season long, how phenomenal he's been, the way that he can take over games, his natural ability. But everyone else around him has come together. And Mike Boynton has been terrific, especially down the stretch with the games, the coaching that he's done here. Oklahoma State is on a roll. I don't see them having any issues with Liberty. It seems like Liberty, I've heard more about uh, Jerry Falwell than I have anything about their basketball program. Um, so I like Oklahoma State just fine. Um, I think they get to the Sweet 16. It just sucks that, you know, Oklahoma State and Illinois, which feels like should be a regional final game, is going to be a Sweet 16 game more than likely. That's what pains me, Tom. Um, Oklahoma State, you know, and the other part of this too, Oklahoma State should be, you would think, an Elite Eight caliber team. But then – you go all the way to the Sweet 16, and you have a buzzsaw there in Illinois, a team that you don't match up with size-wise. You're not quite as talented in. Um, you know, Oklahoma State should find themselves in the Sweet 16, which I think OSU fans would have loved to have if you told them that even three weeks ago. But now you look at this team that's Elite Eight or Final Four cal- caliber with getting underseated like they were. The second week, the first weekend's not the problem. The second weekend is going to be incredibly tough for them to get out of the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to take. It's going to take something else because I don't know if they're going to be able to beat uh, an, an Illinois team. But does it does it feel storyline to you just a little bit for OSU to be in the same bracket as Illinois and just so happen would meet Brad Underwood? In the sweet sweet sixteen, does that feel a little forced? Oh, it, it might be. I, I, you know, we, we talked about how uh, the NCAA is, is trying to find matchups of some sorts. I don't think I find it a coincidence of a potential sweet sixteen matchup between these two teams. Um, San Diego State taking on Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse has no business being in the tournament. Um, San Diego State had a really good year. Uh, out of the uh, Mountain West Conference. But something about that 2-3 zone that Syracuse plays, no matter how bad Syracuse is or how low a seed they are, they cause problems for people to deal with. So I like San Diego State to win. But, man, I, if, 
if I'm San Diego State, I'm just saying to myself, crap, we got to prepare for a 2 3 zone. It's almost like um, playing a triple option team in football of some sorts. You just shake your head that you have to deal with it. And sometimes you're, you're not prepared for it. Uh, San Diego State, what this comes down to for them is are they going to be prepared or not? This game will be won or lost for San Diego State, not on the game itself, but their preparation ahead of time. Yeah, it is. It's going to, that's a perfect way to put a two, three zone is, you know, kind of like a triple option. One of those that you don't see all the time. That's just a pain in the ass to deal with. And who knows what can happen after that. Yeah. Um, Syracuse is one of those teams that, that you, you mentioned that they shouldn't be there. Or there's a good, you know, there's a possibility or another world where Syracuse isn't in the big dance this year. Um I mean, they don't have nothing to lose. So, I mean, wouldn't be shocked if, if a Syracuse team pulls this off. Right. Uh, West Virginia taking on Moorhead State. West Virginia has got to be thrilled to be a three seed because they shouldn't be a three seed. Um, but nonetheless, credit to Bob Huggins for what he's done with this team. Um, you know, to lose your your best player, um, uh, you know, to see uh, to see him go off to Kentucky in the middle of the season <laughs> like that. Uh, which you were not expecting, and the rally to still have the year they had. Moorhead State, um, I think that they win that game, and, and West Virginia, I think, finds their way to the Sweet 16. Um, but beyond that, I don't know. Uh, this is the highest seed West Virginia's had, Tom, since they went to the Final Four, which was all the way back when they were in the Big East, before they were even in the Big 12. Right. I mean, I think West Virginia might be able to make some noise I mean, they've kind of faced that adversity all season. Um, you know, a player leaving Kentucky, and you see how that played out for him. Um, but that being said, I mean, West Virginia, you know, Culver has been has been hot. Yes, they had their struggle with Oklahoma State the last couple of weeks of the season. But, uh, you know, if all plays out well, they won't have to face Oklahoma State for a while, um, you know, and maybe even at all. So, uh, I think West Virginia has the ability to do so. It just, you know, it's going to have the timing's going to have to be right. You know, they're going to have to play hot. Uh, they they got to put, you know, the past losses behind them and, you know, the Big 12 championship aspirations behind them and then just play. Uh, and, and, you know, if it comes down to coaching, I like Huggy Bear. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Clemson taking on Rutgers. Uh, Clemson's not that great. Um, that's a team that's overseeded as seven. Um, in all honesty, Rutgers uh, pulled off some big wins. Uh, Rutgers, their best season in a long, long time. Uh, give me Rutgers, but neither one of these teams are, are anything special in all honesty. No, neither do I. I don't see – this is maybe the least intriguing matchup. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm like, okay, Clemson, Rutgers, uh, I mean – that's not sell. I mean, if they could sell tickets, that one's not selling tickets. <laughs> I don't know who the announcing crew is, but I bet it's like the very last team of the CBS Turner crew. Like the worst crew gets this game, probably. Uh, yeah, I could, I could see that. They should take a couple of college kids and let them do it. <laughs> right. Hey, we'll do it. We'll do it for free. Um, I mean, maybe we'll do it for free. Right. Uh, Houston takes on Cleveland State. Uh, Kelvin Sampson, Kelvin, a really good year for Houston. Um, look, Houston, easy path to get to the Sweet 16 for Houston. But here's where I'm concerned about Houston for later, Tom. 
is that in the case of this Houston team, their best win is against Texas Tech all the way back in November. Um, and, you know, they didn't the, – the American was very weak this year. Um, you know, I don't get what the hype was with Houston. And I like some of the talent. Quentin Grimes, used to play for KU, was a former, you know, five-star recruit. You know, they got some good players. They got some good pieces. NBA talent on that Houston roster. But where was the wins? Who did they beat? They lost some games they didn't – they weren't supposed to. They didn't even win their league in a weak year. Um, Houston should not be a two-seed. I'm sorry, but they shouldn't be. Um, Houston, they get past the first weekend, sure. But I'm not – you know, wagering my bets on Houston to go to the final four. That's a, that's a weak sauce two seed. Sorry, Houston. And, and I like Kelvin and I like what he's done there, you know, with Houston and everything being in a mid-major conference, but I'm sorry, Houston, I'm not buying what you're selling at all. No, I'm not buying it either. And, you know, I, I think they've had a great year. I think they were overseeded for sure as a two. I think there was other teams that could deserve that two spot better. Um, but you know, I guess since they're, you know, mid, you know, middle of the pack, nothing too crazy, nothing too special. I, I just don't see them going too far. I mean, I, I feel like whoever beats them, you know, if they get beat early, you could call it an upset, but it wouldn't feel as upsetty as normal, if that makes sense. Yeah. So there you have it. That's our look around all the first and potential second round games of the NCAA tournament. Tom, that just went by just like that. We, uh, we covered them all. So let's go ahead and give our picks here. Uh, my final four, Tom, I got Gonzaga, Alabama, Baylor, and Illinois as my final four. Three one seeds, one two seed. I got Gonzaga and Baylor in the title game with Gonzaga winning it all. Um, you know, I, I look at this, you know, Gonzaga has a decent path in their region, you know, with being that number one overall seed, um, they might not even be tested until they play Iowa in the Elite Eight. In the case of Alabama, you have a Michigan team who uh, is not playing great. Texas would be a very tough game, but Alabama's on a roll. I like what they're doing. Uh, in Illinois' case, Really tough path. That's not great for one seed to potentially go up against a really good Loyola team, a really good Oklahoma State team. But the way they're playing, just talent-wise, I just think they're better than everyone there. Um, in Baylor's case, what Baylor team are we going to see? What Baylor team is going to show up? And what I would say is that, you know, Baylor is aware of what time of year it is. And when they hit a rough patch, they rebounded. They recovered. They figured things out. Um, I think that the message has been delivered for Baylor, and they know the talent that's there. Um, they got a veteran group. They got a good coach. Baylor's going to figure it out. So that's my final four: is uh, Gonzaga, Baylor, uh, Illinois, and Alabama. With Gonzaga winning it all. Tom, give me your final four. Your national champion pick. And uh, your national championship game pick and your national, ultimate national champion. So, Jones, in, in the main bracket, you know, I told you that I filled out several. But the one that I was just like, okay, here's the serious one. Here's the one I'm, I'm betting all my chips on. I've got Gonzaga and Alabama. Um, Gonzaga winning that. And then I've got Baylor and Illinois. And I've got Baylor 
winning that. So I got Gonzaga Baylor in the final, and I've got George, or I've got Gonzaga winning it all. So we have the same final four. <laughs> we do. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is before I even heard your picks. This has been filled either, out for two days. So either that means it's destiny, or these teams are really cursed. One of the two. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, we will find out starting on Friday. I'm, you know, Alabama. It just it wasn't going to be Michigan, okay? Right. That was never going to happen. Uh, I mean, and so who do you take? I, do I want to see Alabama in the Final Four? Hell no. Do I think they have the path to do so? Yes. I could also see Texas in that spot. Um, let's uh, real quick on the Big Twelve, and we broke down all these games, obviously. The best chances to get to the Final Four, Baylor's one, um, in my mind. Uh, Texas is two. Texas is two. West Virginia and Oklahoma State um, are kind of similar as far as their path goes. Um, and then and after that, you run into Illinois. Right. That it gets real tough with that Illinois roadblock there. But Oklahoma, no chance. You're not getting by Gonzaga. Not happening. Texas Tech doesn't have the offense. Um, the Big 12, if you're putting your poker chips together, it's on those four teams. And if you make me weigh out my poker chips, it's, it's Baylor and Texas that are without question best position to go deep here. Yeah, I'm I'm putting seventy percent of them on Baylor, twenty percent of them on Texas, or probably twenty five percent on Texas and five percent on Oklahoma State. If if Oklahoma State pulls off the Illinois game, then watch the and, out. And I don't I, think it'll happen. I don't think it will either. It would be one of those real just tournament miracles because it's not a bad, not a good matchup at all for Oklahoma State. Um, but you know that, that's the other thing about this Tom too. That, and we'll end on this. When looking at this tournament and looking at these you know, games that advance, we mentioned that some of these teams are overseeded or underseeded. And I, I would say this for the fan out there, you can't judge your team season by where you finish in this tournament. Um, and here's why. Sometimes it's a bad matchup. Sometimes you were just not given the proper seed. Um some, maybe in some cases you you go far, but you weren't really that good. Um, so especially for the folks that are disappointed in how that, that plays out, if you underperform or whatever it may be, um, don't read too much into how you finish. I love the tournament, but if we're trying to determine the, really the best team in college basketball, this is not necessarily the best way to crown a champion, but certainly the most entertaining. It doesn't, embody um you know the best team it's not the best way to figure out who the, the best teams are in the country but it's certainly the most entertaining to have 68 teams involved in this so that's where i would say that's why precaution fans heading into this week don't read too much into you know judging your whole season just based on one game right i mean it's called march madness for a reason yeah exactly so we have a whole lot more to get to on today's show. Uh, Lucy Rodine going to join us in just a moment. Also, Coach Bogan to stop by. Also got our Tom Fulbery story of the week as well. All that and more as we roll along. Stay with us. Stay on the Jones Report. 
Joining us now on the Jones Report this week, it is TikTok College Sports Star, also doing uh, work with a Wave TV. It is uh, Lucy Rodine, who's back on the uh, program once again. Lucy, pleasure to talk to you as always. Best time of year. We've been waiting for this for a long time. I am so excited. This is what I was born to do, was watch college basketball. So I'm ready for it. <laughs> what, what's your setup going to be? Do you have like three or four screens at once going? What, what are you doing uh, for the next few days? So we will have multiple screens, but there is a slight chance. I'm going to say under 50%, so don't get too excited. But there's a chance I will be watching from Indianapolis, which I would like to do. Oh, okay. We don't know nice. yet, though. So I'm saying no just because I don't want to jinx it, but maybe. Okay. I I like that. That'd be great if you made it up to Indianapolis. Now, uh, being in the bubble, though, uh, if you're kind of restricted a bit, then uh, you you can only be in a few places at once, though. Like, that's – I think I heard Rothstein describe it well, that uh, it's just the hotel – you eat, and then uh, you go to the uh, the games. I mean, it's just college basketball heaven is all it is. I mean, it's it, that's my dream life. I mean, to wake <laughs> up, eat, and watch college basketball, those are the only three things that I'm very good at doing. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Uh, Lucy, uh, I imagine uh, you're pretty excited about Iowa. I think we, we talked before we even knew if there was going to be a college football season that you were looking more forward to Iowa basketball than Iowa football, and it uh, seems like it was a, a pretty good year for the uh, Hawkeyes with uh, Garza and company there. Yeah, it's definitely what we expected. You know, it's Iowa basketball, so obviously we had some moments where things weren't looking great, and we were like, are we even good? I have no idea. Um, but, you know, I thought just Iowa's season was all around. You know, we have a couple crappy losses to Indiana, but pretty <laughs> consistent, and, you know, a two-seed is – uh, obviously, you would have wanted a one seed, but I'm not going to complain about it. You know, I'm just excited to be here. <laughs> happy to be here, yes. Uh, and uh, you end up uh, drawing Gonzaga in that uh, that region. Uh, not not easy by any means, but I would play Gonzaga earlier this year. Yeah, I wasn't. You know, I saw a lot of Iowa fans who were really upset about you know being in Gonzaga's region, region which is totally understandable. Um, but for some reason. Gonzaga, even if they weren't in Iowa's region, I don't trust them. They haven't lost a game and they're Gonzaga. Like I can't shake the whole feeling of like, it's Gonzaga basketball. Like they're just going to lose. Like it's just going to happen in the postseason. Um, and so I like, I like being, I mean, I would have rather been in Michigan's region uh, or Baylor's, but I think that it's not that far of a stretch to say that Iowa could beat Gonzaga. They were competitive when they played earlier in the year. And I think from that point, you know, Gonzaga is obviously Gonzaga. They haven't lost a game. They're so freaking good but i think iowa has made major improvements that might be you know more vastly improved than what gonzaga was uh back when we played i think it was december so if they meet up you know i don't think it's i don't think we're out i don't think we're out i have a tradition each year lucy every time gonzaga gets eliminated i tweet out the adam morrison picture of him just crying like covering (laughs) his head and such every time that's all i can think of when gonzaga gets eliminated it's uh, I mean, it's, it's Gonzaga. It's so like, I just, I feel so bad for him. Cause you know, I'm like, if, the, if they weren't in Iowa's region this year, I would want them to finally, you know, succeed to get to that point. But I'm like, man, you're in Iowa's region. I, I hope you, I hope you lose. I hope you lose. Yeah. Um, I, I picked them to win it all. So I don't hope they lose this time, but nonetheless. I hope they lose. Okay. 
I'm very, I very much hope they lose. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Um, Garza, t- tell me about him. Uh, I mean, people were so excited about him coming back, and he had another incredible year. Um, what, what's he mean for, for Iowa fans, just uh, how special he was what he did this year? I mean, it's it's just amazing. Luca is the absolute best. Um, you know, he's obviously like fantastic basketball player. And and I think what makes him so special is that he is just so unathletic. He is just so unathletic. And it's that he makes up for all of it in just working ridiculously hard. Like it's every time I watch Luca Garza play, like I'm just tired watching him. I'm like, I can't believe like how much energy he is like putting into this. And so, you know, he and Iowans, you know, we're, we're, we live in the Midwest. We value hard work. That's our big thing. So it's, you know, it's sentimental for us. We love having Luca, you know, we haven't had a generational player at Iowa in quite some time. And it's, you know, it's special that it's him. It's someone who's so great, who's done a lot for the community. So, I mean, I'm going to miss him so much. We're going to miss him so much. An unathletic big guy. Doesn't he kind of embody what Iowa is? Literally. Yeah. (laughs) And he's white too. So that also that's Iowa. I love it. Now, they retired his his number, right? That, that yes. was a bit excessive already, wasn't it? Oh, no. No way. I, a little we, too soon. Come on now. We knew we were going to – like, I mean, I could have told you um, – Three months ago, they were going to retire Luca's number. I wish they had held it off just a little so that there could have been fans there because I think that would have made it like way more special. Um, but you know, I don't, I'm not surprised that Iowa jumped on that so fast just because of how much the Iowa, you know, fan base loves him and just how, you know, phenomenal he has been during his four years there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's something else. Big 10 basketball as a whole this year has been just incredible from. You mentioned Michigan to Illinois, who's been on a run as of late. Iowa's good. Ohio State's good. Um, did you expect this out of the uh, the whole Big Ten uh, besides just Iowa here? I knew the Big Ten was going to be good. I knew we were going to be the best conference in college basketball. I did not know how good we were going to be. Uh, you know, Michigan and Ohio State, you know, they were projected to be good. We didn't expect them to be great. You know, we didn't expect them to be on the one-two line. Uh, Illinois, we knew was going to be awesome. Wisconsin, we thought was going to be a little bit better. Um, but, you know, I feel like perform- – and then you look at Purdue, Rutgers, Maryland, you know, teams all outside there, Michigan State, you know – it was unreal how deep the Big Ten was this year, and I think it's really going to pay off tournament time. I'm, I think I'm advancing almost every Big Ten team, except for Wisconsin. <laughs> except Wisconsin, yeah. Um, who, who do you like best of those uh, Big Ten teams to uh, possibly win it all? Besides Iowa, your your obvious alma mater. Besides taking Iowa out of the equation, who do you like best? It's it, how can you bet against Illinois right now? I mean, just the way they're playing is. I mean, it is unreal. They are so good. Kofi Coburn, Io DeSumo, I mean, the best, you know, duo in college basketball right now. It's it's hard to bet against Illinois with the way they're playing. Um, I'm going to do it if they play Iowa. I'm going to bet against them. But, I mean, even if, let's say I wasn't a crazy, you know, Iowa grad who's incredibly biased, I would pick Illinois to win the national title. Okay, so you like, uh, you like Illinois better than Gonzaga or Baylor, who've been kind yeah. of – dominating throughout most of the year. 
I, I like Illinois way more than Baylor. Uh, obviously, you know, we've seen Baylor lose as of late and it's coming off a of COVID pause, so it's super understandable. I just think that Illinois is just all around better. And I think that the level of competition that Illinois has faced is so much better than Gonzaga and Baylor. And I think we're going to see that pay off. Oh, hold on here. Hold on here. You, you, you're taking shots at my beloved Big 12 conference already here. Lucy, we're, we're sending seven teams to the NCAA tournament. That's just a little simple math that 70% of our league is going dancing here. I mean, the Baylor's played a tough schedule here. I mean, come on. Now, listen. I mean, I'm not, I'm not crapping on the big 12. I think the big 12 is the second best league in college basketball this year, but they're the second best, you know, there's it's this, the, I think the top, I mean, the top of the big 12 is great, but I think the top of the big 10 is bigger and stronger. Maybe by maybe by just pure numbers, if we're looking at uh, percentages, I think the Big 12's held up uh, their own as well. But it, it has seemed like this year's been all about the Big 12 and the Big 10. We might be talking about, you get to the second weekend, this turning into the, the Big 12, Big 10 Invitational of sorts here. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally see that happening. Uh, I, I, You look at the ACC this year, it's hard to trust anybody, you know, and I, I have issues trusting Florida State. I just, I, I don't. I think they're very good. I'm just, I can't trust them for some reason. Um, but no, I, I think it's really going to be dominated by those two leagues just because those two leagues are genuinely the best by quite a mile. Now you're in North Carolina right now. Uh, I, I got to say for you is, uh, is this an enjoyable experience of, of being there when Iowa is really good? North Carolina is down and Duke's not even in this thing. It is. Uh, I wish that it wasn't COVID time because I would be out in public a lot more talking way more crap than I'm doing right now. Um, but I, I'm lucky that I will beat UNC earlier in the season. And so that has been kind of my thing. I've, I bring it up to any Carolina fan I see, and I've been doing it for the past three months. Like they're like, literally that game was in December. Please stop. And I'm like, yeah, but did you know, do you know, we had 17 threes and they're like, shut up, shut up. And so you can definitely tell here though, that there's just not the energy around March madness that there normally is. Um, like I remember when I was in high school here, it was just the craziest, you know, environment, like schools were, we weren't shut down, but you weren't doing anything in class other than watching basketball. And, and just, it was this, you had this like atmosphere around Duke UNC and it's just not there this year, but I have it. So I don't care about them. <laughs> I love it. Who, who is uh, your, your sleeper teams you're watching for potentially that could make a, a, a decent run of sorts. That nobody's talking about I would say right now I'm looking at, I think that I hate saying this because I have a feeling they're going to use lose to UCLA after I say it, but I Michigan state is on my radar. Uh, same thing with Rutgers. I know they're both big 10 teams. So obviously I'm biased, but I just think that Michigan state is in kind of a good situation where, you know, they would play UCLA BYU. I think they could totally beat Texas. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tom Izzo make a sweet 16 run, even with a team that has, you know, lost some pretty ugly games. Uh, they're much better than the record is. And then Rutgers, I would not be surprised if they upset Houston. I really wouldn't. I don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did. So I'm keeping my eye on those two teams. Well, in the, the case of Michigan State, they, they ended up finishing the season pretty well with wins over Illinois and Michigan. I mean, that's a team that's 
getting hot at the right time, essentially. Yeah. But the weird thing about Michigan State is, yeah, they'll beat Illinois, they'll beat Michigan, they'll also get, you know, just stomped by Maryland. And you're just like, well, you have to, you have to pick your identity here, man. So it's it, Michigan State's such a toss-up team because you have no idea who's going to show up. They have the capability to beat anyone in the country as they've proven, but also this is a team that scored that didn't put up 40 against Rutgers. Like it's, it, they are, they're an anomaly. So they're they're difficult to trust, but it's. It's Tom Izzo's month, so I'm. you have to go with Michigan State always. It would be very on-brand for Michigan State to figure out a way to get the second weekend in, yeah. in this situation. And I, I'm, I think they will just because that's, that's just Michigan State. It's literally the most Michigan State thing I've ever heard. Okay, so we're watching out for Michigan State. What about a mid-major? What, who do you have of, of a mid-major of sorts potentially making, making a run here? Uh, I'm looking at UC Santa Barbara. Um, I'm not totally sold on Creighton yet. So I think they could pull the upset. Uh, Same thing with Renthrop. Villanova is so injured. They are, you know, a shell of the team that they were. Uh, Renthrop proven they can win. It only lost one game all season. So I think those two teams are, I'm looking at potentially definitely upset in the first round and maybe moving past there. Okay. Okay. Uh, I like Colgate to potentially do Colgate. Some okay. Uh, not just a toothpaste. They're a pretty good basketball <laughs> program. Um, this is a team that's third in the country in three point shooting and uh, the net rankings has them in the top 20. So that's my, my mid major I'm riding. I think they'll upset Arkansas. You heard it first. That um, game is going to be so high scoring. I'm so excited for it. Yes. Uh, life's too short to bet the under on that game. So absolutely take the over, of course, in that one. Uh, so who's your final four? Who do you end up? Uh, is, is it what Iowa, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio State? Is that your final four? I wish it was. Um, you know, <laughs> one wrong. Uh, I do have three Big Ten teams in the final four. <laughs> I have Iowa. Ohio State, Illinois, and I went with Alabama for Michigan's region. As much as I'd love to pick Michigan right now without Isaiah Livers, I think it's going to be a tough road ahead. As much as you love the Big Ten, you you know that the Big Ten has not won a national championship in, in like an eternity, it seems. Yeah, but this is the year to change it. <laughs> this is the year to change it. I mean, the Big 12's won one more recently than the Big 10 has. I mean, like, they, they send all these teams there, but it's like, yeah, I mean, what are you doing for me? I think this year is the first year that the Big 10 is sending, you know, I think Illinois specifically, and also I kind of think Iowa uh, as well. I, I don't know the last time the Big Ten has sent a team that I like can look at definitively and say they can win the national championship. Like they are good enough for that and feel confident in it. And that you can say that about Illinois. I think Iowa's a, a dark horse if you're looking at two seed dark horses. Um, Ohio State, just the way they've been playing. It's, I find it so tough to bet against the Big Ten. And I'm also incredibly biased. It's biased as you can get. But I just think the Big Ten, the teams are the best they've been for us in the past what uh, god i can't even tell you how long okay okay i like that it, at least you you are uh you admitting it you're very open and honest about the uh the big 10 bias you do have i, oh, I, I am as that. biased yeah. as bias gets oh yes I tell anyone but but there's still some big 10 fans that that you have enemies with right i won't say i have uh i don't lately illinois fans have been 
intolerable intolerable so we have not been getting along me and michigan state are on great terms they're like my best friends um nebraska is so irrelevant that we just i I, when is i can't even argue with them anymore it's it's kind of dumb to argue with them i thought michigan i thought you had a beef with michigan state fans we did but we worked through it (laughs) and i don't know how it happened but we're kind of like best friends now um some of the michigan state community even calls me the queen of michigan state twitter i don't know how that happened but it did and so, you know, I, I, you know, they're my buddies now. They, a lot of them donated to my challenge and donated to charity for me. So I'm all, I'm pro Michigan state as long as they're not playing Iowa. Okay. So speaking of your challenge, uh, tell us what's going on with this uh, bracket challenge and you're raising money for a good cause. Yeah. So I saw a Nebraska fan do this and I was like, that's an awesome idea. I could totally do that for Iowa where I'm just putting together a bracket challenge. You pay $10 an entry. You're obviously welcome to give more and all of the, you know, proceeds are going to go to the children's hospital, uh, first, second, and third place win a prize. And we've already raised over $4,000. That's incredible. Now, is this the, uh, is this the same children's hospital that people wave at at Iowa games? Yep. So it's very close to home for Iowa fans. Um, and it's, I mean, I can't think of a better cause than, you know, donating to a children's hospital. So, you know, we don't get to wave during basketball games and we definitely didn't get to wave football this year. So I think it's just a good way to, you know, show our support for the kiddos up there still. I feel like the wave is, is Iowa in a nutshell. Iowa people are the nicest yep. people on the planet. And, you know, they, 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 they're all about family and kids and such to, to stop the football game to wave. I mean, that's one of the best traditions we've seen now in college sports. It is. It's, it's something that I hope that everyone in their life gets to go to a game at Kinnick, just to go to a game at Kinnick to begin with, because it's awesome. But to get to wave at the Children's Hospital is, I mean, I, I've been, been to like a million Iowa games where we've done that. I cry every single time, every single time, because it's just, it is such a, like a wholesome moment. And it, you once you experience, you're like, oh my God, like this is just the, the best thing I've ever been a part of. That's awesome. Now, you, as you know, uh, Lucy, recently I, I moved to, uh, to Omaha and you, you were one of the first people to tell me, don't judge Iowa by council bluffs. Get out, yep. of, get out of the Omaha metro and see the, the real parts of Iowa. Where, where do I need to go to besides uh, Iowa City, obviously? I think Des Moines. Oh, you have to go to Okaboji. You have to go to Spirit Lake Okaboji. It is like this cool, like lake town. It, Ashton Kutcher vacations there. It's so awesome. Really? You wouldn't you wouldn't think of having you know an Iowa vacation destination, but Okaboji Lakes. Oh, it's beautiful. It's so much fun in the summer. Don't go in the winter. Don't go in the winter. Okay. Uh, but the summer, it's beautiful. And then Des Moines. I, I've not liked Des Moines in the past, but it's it's growing on me. It's a nice little metro area. Uh, there's tons of stuff to do. I still think Iowa City is the best town in Iowa, but if you go to Spirit Lake, Okaboji, which you're not too far from, uh, and Des Moines, I think you'll have a good time. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll duly note those things. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you said don't judge Iowa by Council Bluffs. Some of the people I've seen in uh, in the Bluffs, uh, I'm like, man, uh, I, I need to – need to get past this town and get into the real heart of Iowa here. I mean, there's some scary folks in, uh, in council bluffs. Yeah. I don't know how council bluffs became the way it is, but it's, it's not a representation of Iowa. It's the first time I went, I was like, this is weird. This is not, I do not like the, the vibe this town is putting out. And it's so weird. Cause Omaha is awesome. It's such a cool place. And you just cross the river, man. And you're, so, you're somewhere weird. 
<laughs> That's a very uh, accurate description of uh, of the bluffs, uh, I, I will say. Uh, I, I forgot to mention with your bracket challenge, if somebody wants to join and take part, where, where do they uh, get information on that? Where do they reach out to you? So they can just Venmo at Hawkeye Angel uh, and if include your description, your email or your Twitter and the, the little description you send with the video, please do that. You wouldn't believe how many people haven't sent me their way to contact them. Uh, so it's been like a wild goose chase the past three days trying to find these people. Um, but include your, you know, Twitter or your descri- email, and then I'll send you a link to join the bracket challenge. And that's all you got to do from there. That's great. That's great. Uh, I love it. And, uh, it sounds like you're, you're doing something for a great cause here. It's, uh, that's fantastic. Uh, certainly excited for you to see how that goes. We got a few more things before we let you go, Lucy. Uh, I, I got to ask you uh, about this this whole deal with with Scott Frost in Nebraska trying to dip out of this Oklahoma game here. Um, I mean, that, that's that's even more absurd than if this team were to lose by, to Oklahoma by five touchdowns. I mean, uh, are, are they that desperate over there for for wins and for for money to try to bow out of this game? I, I don't understand it. It was. I mean. One, it was just a blessing. What a great way to like start my day. Then seeing that Nebraska is just trying to get out of this game that they've been hyping up forever, forever. Uh, It's, you know, it's, it's kind of one of the most like pathetic things we've seen from Nebraska. I mean, it's truly, this is a low point for them. You know, they've hyped up this game for so long last year. They were like, we're leading the charge to bring football back. It's us. We'll play in Uzbekistan. We'll play anyone, anywhere, anytime you just tell us. And then they're like, wait, we have to play Ohio state. We Are you serious? Can't do that. And now they're like, we have to play Oklahoma. Like, I don't want to do that. It's just, I mean, it's, it's pathetic because you know, they, they tout themselves as this, you know, like, the most a powerhouse in college football, which they're obviously not anymore, but they just Scott Frost won't play games. It's, I mean, it's hilarious. It's awesome. And the thing is, is like, I just wish Nebraska would have come out and said, Hey, we don't want to play Oklahoma anymore because we don't want to get, you know, lit up by 60. Instead, they like hid, they didn't say anything. They were reaching out to like old dominion, whatever. I mean, it, it's the most Nebraska thing I've ever heard. And it's hilarious. I was listening to uh, some sports talk here in Omaha and uh, these homers were, trying to blame Oklahoma for this and say that Oklahoma was uh, should have cooperated with Nebraska and uh, been on the same page when it came to, to uh, the PR message and such out there of how this was delivered. And I'm like, oh, Oklahoma doesn't own Nebraska a damn thing here. I mean, this yeah. is all on, on NU for, for not having their stuff together. And then Oklahoma, when like these rumors came out, Oklahoma like straight up was like, hey, we want to play this game. We have every intention on playing this game. We don't know anything otherwise. And it took hours for us to hear from Nebraska. And Nebraska only said something because people were like, hey, man, like this isn't a good look. Oh, uh, and Scott, Scott Frost, uh, this Scott Frost experiment so far hasn't been uh, going too kindly. He hasn't been the savior what they built him up to be. No. And it's, and what makes it so sad is that there's no awareness of that. It's they're just so blind that they're like, but he was such a good player in the nineties where it's kind of like Nebraska. Like you want, do you want to be the laughingstock of college football? Because that's what you are right now. Like it's, I mean, he has been, I don't want to see Nebraska succeed for rivalry purposes, but like it's good for college football when Nebraska is good. It's good for the big 10 when Nebraska is good. And Scott Frost is just not getting them there. And no one wants to say it because they just love them so much. Now, how real is the rivalry with, with Nebraska and Iowa? Cause that, that was manufactured at least the beginning anyway. 
it's it's become increasingly real. The only thing that's like weird about it is like that. It, I mean, statistically, it's not much of a rivalry at this point. Iowa's won right. five, six straight, whatever. Um, it's it's more rivalry between the fan bases just because Iowans have such a disdain for Nebraska fans and the way that, you know, they hype up Scott Frost and their program, like there's something relevant and they usually like shit on Iowa to do it. But I mean, it's a rivalry between the fan bases. I, I mean, between the football teams, it's not a rivalry, um, but we love to hate them, you know, and they love to hate us. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. And and the fact that the the thing that gets me is with uh, with Nebraska is that kind of like what you mentioned of this whole idea of who they think they are of you know going back to the '90s and this program that's not who you are now. I mean it's uh, it's almost worse than what Tennessee football fans think of of who they are. I mean, at least Tennessee's got the awareness to know their coach sucks and right. have to, you know, bring in a new one every two years or whatnot. Uh, like Nebraska fans are just Tennessee fans are delusional. I'll give them that. They definitely are. But I think Nebraska is just a different type of delusional. Where like Tennessee thinks they should be competitive, but they know they're not. Nebraska thinks they are competitive and they're just not. And it's it, it's painful to watch. But honestly, it's funny for me. I enjoy it. I'm having a good time. Right. Oh, yes. It's uh, it's very entertaining to see them. I, I will cheer for their demise as long as they're not a part of the Big 12 Conference, <laughs> uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, when it comes to in uh, you on that front. Well, and and uh, just mentality wise, you're talking about Iowa to Nebraska, Iowa, you guys are content with eight, nine win seasons here. Nebraska was having those with Bo Pelini and that wasn't good enough. Yeah. And they when they fired Bo Pelini, something they said was like, or not Bo Pelini, Mike Riley, excuse me. They said that, you know, they were judging it based on the standard of Iowa, you know, like we should be better than Iowa. We should, you know, always be more competitive than Iowa is. And that's just not the case. You know, they went from like being like, ew, we're at Iowa's level. We need to fire Bo Pelini to now they just want to be at Iowa's level, which is kind of funny. <laughs> that's great. Now, uh, Lucy, you've expanded uh, your, your reach a bit. You're not just covering some, college sports anymore you're you're uh you're all over it with uh making jokes about the nfl and nba and several other things yeah so my new stuff with wave has had me expand my audience and my reach a little bit so i'm making a lot of nba jokes now nfl i'm still mainly basketball and football and still a little bit of college stuff in there but it, it's it's nice to expand my reach and uh try some different stuff out and you know it's i think it's working so far Who's your number one target of sorts? Who's the easiest now of, of those professional sports to, to go after? It's, I mean, it's so easy to go after like the jets. Like that's just, I mean, I'm a, honestly, I feel bad about doing it sometimes because they're such an easy target. Um, but you know, I like to go after Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Cause I, I do think the fact that his family and him hate each other is kind of funny. Um, I love to go at, after Ben Roethlisberger. Um, you know, I go after the Cowboys. It's, you know, it's really, I don't really hold any punches with the NFL. Like I'm a Cowboys fan, but like, I'm also an aware Cowboys fan. I know where we're at. I know where we're going. And it's unlike Nebraska fans. Yeah. Right, yeah. Unlike Nebraska fans, I got a grip on reality. So I have no problem making fun of Dallas. Uh, so I really don't hold back any punches with the NFL. I don't really care. I won't make jokes about Dak Prescott because I love him so much. So that's the only player I won't. I won't be okay. To. Okay. So Dak's off limits. That's good. That's... But if you think about it, everyone, like no one's ever said a bad word about Dak. So I'm like, hey, you know what? It's cool. We all like him. 
Right. Yeah. He, he's just a very rich man now. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, he's doing very well for himself there. Uh, the, uh, the the Cowboys, some of those things you mentioned, the Cowboys, the Jets, I mean, even Big Ben. And I know the Big Ben's getting you know, Hall of Famer. He's had a great career. But just some of those guys, the jokes almost write themselves. Oh, my God. Half the time they do. I mean, Urban Meyer going to the Jags was great for me. That stuff just, I mean, literally just writes itself out. Like, it, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about the NFL is like, Guys like Urban Meyer, guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, they write jokes for me. They, they just be themselves, and I just take it, and I run with it. And with, uh, with Juju, uh, I mean, he's, uh, he probably should actually stay away from TikTok. Uh, seems yeah, like he, he's like a jinx of some sorts. It's not working for him, you know, and he's – I mean – no one looks at his TikTok and is like, that's funny. That's a good idea. Most people are like, man, you know, cut it out. This is not, this is not working, dude. And so, I mean, it's funny. Every time you post a TikTok, that's material for me. Same thing with Patrick Mahomes, little brother. Every time you post a TikTok, that's material for me. Oh, okay. Hold on a second. Now, now you got me started here. Uh, you, J- Jackson Mahomes, uh, th- this dude's got to go away. I mean, does, does he have an actual job or is he just some TikTok guy now? I, I never make fun of Patrick Mahomes. I think you'd appreciate that. I don't yeah, make yes. fun of him. Jackson is a different story. I'm like, man, like there, ha- there has to be someone in that family who's like, Jackson, this is just not a good look. This is not reflecting great on the Mahomes name. Like you got to chill out with it. Somebody's got to take that kid's TikTok ca- account away. It's just, it's just not working. Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, the, the kid is just annoying as hell. I mean, unbelievably annoying. You would not, I would never believe it that he was actually Patrick's brother, except for the fact that Patrick says so. I mean, there's nothing that resembles closely the two of them. And it's, you know, normally I don't make fun of the Chiefs because there's nothing to make fun of, but Jackson Mahomes every week, every week he's doing stuff where I'm like, stop it, stop it. Like, you are embarrassing your brother. Like, if my siblings did that to me, oh, mm, no. If if the Chiefs struggle, uh, then, uh, then Jackson Mahomes is going to be public enemy number one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, if we weren't all, if the Chiefs weren't so distracted by Jackson Mahomes' terrible TikToks, maybe they would have been more prepared for the Super Bowl. I mean, we can't, we can't say that that's not, you know, true. We, there's no evidence to say otherwise. Right. Um, wh- what do you make of uh, of a drunk Brady there in Tampa? I imagine that was uh, some good stuff for you. That was awesome. That was great. That was just, oh, that was so fun to to see him that way because you're just not used to it. Tom Brady is kind of an easy target just with how interesting of a human he is in a very weird robotic way. Um, and so it was nice to see him like let loose and get drunk because that the when Tom Brady did that just leads to a crap ton of gronk jokes. Anytime anyone gets drunk, it's a it, it automatically finds its way back to a gronk joke. Every time. Right. Every time. Lucy, appreciate you joining us. Uh, before we let you go, plug uh, your bracket challenge again where people can find that and uh, get involved and donate and such. Yeah, so all you got to do is just go to Venmo. Uh, Venmo $10 or more. You're welcome to donate more to at Hawkeye Angel. And when you're searching it up, it's under a business account. So make sure you're looking under business. That's been an issue for some people so far. Um, but so Venmo to Hawkeye Angel. And then in the description, include your Twitter handle or your email. And then I will send you the link through Twitter or email and the password. And then sign up, fill your bracket in. All that money goes to the Children's Hospital. And if you finish in the top three places, you'll get a gift card to wherever you want. 
Nice, nice. Now, now, Hawkeye Angel, are, are you the Hawkeye Angel? How did that come up? This is it's such an interesting story. So I've never, that was not a thing. When Luca, you know, started getting really good, Frank Garza, his dad, got very popular on Twitter. And Frank started to call me the Hawkeye Angel, um, which was just, I mean, out of, out of the blue. It, it literally came out of nowhere. He just started calling me that on Twitter. And so people started to call me that. And it was just this weird thing where suddenly, like, that's what I was known as. And I think it's so funny and I'm honored to, you know, have like a name or persona in Iowa. So I'm the Hawkeye angel now, I guess. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Lucy, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Best of luck with your uh, bracket challenge and uh, your great work that you're doing. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Big thanks to Lucy Rodine for joining us here at the Jones Report. Todd Lord Jones, Thomas Bridge is back here with you now. As we bring in Brian O'Connor, Coach Bo from O'Connor Advisory Group. Check him out online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com, and also by phone, 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720. The schedule appointment today, also by email at brian.o'connor at lpl.com. That's brian.o'connor at lpl.com. Bo? Thanks for the time, as always, man. Tell us first off what's going on at O'Connor Advisory Group. Well, thanks for having me again. I always enjoy this time of this week. So, uh, hey, right now, we're actually doing something a little unique with people. So, um, last couple of weeks, we've been working with some folks, and we want to get this out there to people. Do you own a business, or do you know someone who owns a business who has that one employee, that one employee that they could not function without? You know, it's kind of a cliche that you have – you know, the owner's kind of the bumbling idiot, and there's always someone that's the real glue to the place. We've been working with businesses for a while now to help reward that person, to one, help you, the owner, if something were to happen to that person, where they couldn't work anymore, or they retire, uh, some different things that we can do to help you that. But then also a way to kind of help them if they decide they want to retire and a way of saying thank you if they were really that person who was the key person in your business. We'd love to chat with you about some ideas on how to do that, uh, some tax-efficient ways to do it, and uh, some ways that could reward both you as an, as an owner as well as your key employee or employees. There you have it, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com for more info there. Bo, let's start out with Drew Brees. I know you as a Saints fan have a big appreciation for him as much as anybody. And the legacy of Drew Brees, obviously what he did for New Orleans, the passing records that he set. And then on top of all of that, we're talking about one of the greatest free agent signings in the history of the NFL. One of the best in all of sports here. What a story for Drew Brees. And then even on top of all that, just the comeback story part of it too. Here was a guy that, was doubted in San Diego. They drafted his replacement, didn't really give him a chance to succeed in San Diego. Then he goes to New Orleans after getting passed up by Miami, where everybody initially thought he was going to go to pair up with Nick Saban, and still gets past all those doubters to prove everybody wrong again to have a great career in New Orleans. Just an outstanding story with Drew Brees all around. You got to respect it. Yeah, you know, I mean, Drew Brees is one of those guys that's kind of played, you know, as a coach, when you look at players, you you, you kind of feel what's the ceiling of somebody, and you want to help them get to the ceiling, and as close to that ceiling as humanly possible. And with Drew Brees, 
he has absolutely exploded the top of that. And you talk about a player who is undersized, you know, a player who's a, he's a short quarterback. I mean, he's under six foot, a short quarterback, a second round pick, um, a guy that Chargers hoped when they drafted was going to be their franchise guy. What a great trade that was for the Chargers at the time, uh, trading that number one pick that ends up being Michael Vick for LaDainian Tomlinson and Drew Brees, effectively. Um, but then he has the shoulder injury, and the Chargers draft um, Phillip Rivers. Drew Brees leaves. He's going to go to Miami, go play for Nick Saban in Miami, and then he fails the physical. And the Dolphins opt to go with Dante Culpepper instead. And Drew Brees' kind of last resort at that time was New Orleans. It was, I mean, the, the Saints were the, I mean, for lack of a better term, and I'm a Saints fan, right? We were the laughing stock of the league. We only won one playoff game in all those years before Drew Brees. And he came in at the right time. That season, you know, he comes in as a free agent. The Saints draft Reggie Bush. And um, then Hurricane Katrina had happened. And so it was not only just the, the, the perfect timing for the team, but for the city. The city loves Drew Brees. The area loves Drew Brees. Sort of like what we see here in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. But, I mean, to an even bigger extent that you really can't even quantify unless you're there and you see it. Um, he's a great, really kind of a great American story. You know, a few weeks ago we talked about Drew Brees. We knew this was coming. Uh, you know, and I spoke really passionately about it and just what he means to those of us who are from the Gulf and from you know, Louisiana or New Orleans. And um, it's just awesome to see that he gets to go out his own way. Uh, sad he couldn't get more than one Super Bowl, but – I mean, just a guy that means everything to a franchise. I mean, he is truly a franchise player. And I thought you brought up a great point there with the one of the greatest free agent signings ever. I was actually talking to somebody else about this this week. I think there's two of them that are far and away above everybody else. He him and Reggie White going to the Packers. Those are the one and one A. You can argue which one was better for those franchises, but they were franchise rebuilding um, signings and uh, as a Saints fan I'm sad to see him go certainly understand it and like I put on my Facebook page this past week thank you for the memories Drew I mean it's he's just been great and I'm a big fan of obviously sad to see him go and now I'm a little worried about what to see what the Saints are going to do so let's go to that uh, they did give a new deal to Taysom Hill. They did bring back Jameis Winston. And in the case of Taysom Hill, I heard, heard it perfectly described as Sean Payton came up with a really good prenup, essentially. Yes, there is technically a lot of money towards Taysom Hill. But a lot of it is voidable after you know this year. And Jameis Winston, they're not paying too much of sorts here. Um, what, what do you make of that situation of replacing Drew Brees? Is it one of these two guys, or do they even think about drafting a quarterback or, or making another move of some sorts? What do you do about replacing Drew Brees right now? It's a little bit of all of the above. Um, I think that Jameis Winston is going to be given every opportunity to be the next quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Um, Taysom Hill's contract, his extension, I have to do it with the air quotes, extension, um, is simply a salary cap. It's simply to give them some space in the salary cap. The Saints had the worst salary cap situation. They had to get under the cap by the 17th. They just 
lifted that uh, that freed up. I think it was seven or eight million dollars in salary cap. Uh, they can void all the rest of the years. They won't owe Taysom Hill anything after that. He gets everything he was owed, and I think they're going to have a little sweetener on that as well. I expect that Taysom Hill will be the backup quarterback and the starting tight end next year for the Saints. Um, the Saints also did drop, did cut Jared Cook and Josh Hill. Uh, so they're ready to have a starting tight end. I think right now their battle plan is that Taysom Hill is their tight end and their backup quarterback. Uh, I think Jameis is going to get every chance to be the quarterback. And I think this is going to be an open audition. I think that Sean Payton wants it to be Jameis Winston. And they're going to give Jameis 16 games. And if he does well, he'll get another contract. He'll get an extension. And if he doesn't, the Saints have put themselves remarkably in a better place for the 2022 season to look at quarterbacks. And I do suspect we will see the Saints draft a quarterback. I don't suspect it'll be on the first night of the draft. I do not think the Saints will spend their first round pick on the draft on a quarterback. Um, I think it'll be a second, third, fourth round guy. Um, the guy that I'm hearing from people that I know down there is Kyle Trask. Okay. That's a Sean Payton looking guy right there. So that, I'm hearing that. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. I don't see them going into a crazy mode to get one of these top four quarterbacks that everyone's talking about that are all sneaking themselves into the top 10. Right. It wouldn't be worth it to the Saints to do that. Right. Okay. So that would be uh, fascinating if that's the case with uh, the Saints there. We'll move on. Let's talk uh, Patriots. The thing that you've been telling us, Bo, for, gosh, since last summer, was that the Patriots with Belichick, the way that they've lined up things and building for their future, that Belichick was playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers. I have lost track how many times you've told me that in the last several months. And now we see Bill go on very unpatriot-like spending spree, bringing in guys like Hunter Henry and you know all sorts of stuff of what they're doing here. What the hell is going on in New England with this team and what they're building there? Uh, tell us this situation, what Belichick's doing. All right, so this is the rebuild of a roster. This is something you just don't see very often. Um, the Patriots were way under on the salary cap already. We've talked about that a lot over the last few weeks. They actually had some carryover from the 2020 cap. They were one of the few teams that had that. And what I mean by that is if you, as an NFL team, if you have extra money under your cap at the end of your uh, football year, that's the end. So it would have been the end of February. If you haven't used that money, generally speaking, general managers will go to their quarterback. They'll go to someone who's got a large cap number coming down the road and they'll pay them a roster bonus at that time to get some of that future cap off the table. The Patriots didn't have anybody to do that with. And the re big reason was the biggest contract they've had all these years has been Brady. Brady's gone. You don't have a high-priced quarterback. You don't have a high-priced player at any position, honestly. And no one who affects the long-term cap as far as dead money, deferred bonus. So what the Patriots opted to do was just move all that money over to 2021 and the reason being is, like everyone else, they knew the cap was going to go down. 
So if you can add money to the cap, that's a way of building your roster. We've mentioned a lot of free agents. We're going to be one-year signings, and we're going to see a lot of that. A lot of these two- and three-year contracts we're seeing are the, what I heard somebody greatly say, one year and we'll see. Uh, That's what a lot of these are. I think it was Andrew Brandt who said that this week, and I really like that saying. Um, And that's what the Patriots are doing, except for Hunter Henry. I think almost all the contracts they've given out are that one and two year, and we'll see from there. It's a smart move. They haven't had to lock up a $40 million quarterback. They went and got Cam Newton. They're paying Cam. I think it's around $5 million. And and Uh, you and I discussed off the air that Cam Newton had a better year than Carson Wentz, and they only paid him $5 million. Look what the Colts gave up for Wentz. Yeah. I mean, it's – it, it, this is again Belichick saying, "Okay, we're going to see what Cam Newton can do." Um, I do suspect they're going to get another, another quarterback and bring in some competition. Uh, there's one in the back of my mind I see playing out if there's not a trade with this player, uh, but I'm not sure how it's going to work just yet. It'll probably be after the draft. That person is Marcus Mariota. Okay, uh, he's going to be cut by the, if the Raiders can't trade him, they will cut him. It saves them ten million bucks on their cap. Um, I'm frankly surprised they haven't done it already, but I think they're waiting to see if they can get any kind of draft picks out of it. Um, but I think that's what the, the Patriots are looking at. They're waiting on that to happen. If they can get that player to be the backup, that gives you some protection, a similar style of player that can play in that same offense. They've gone and got two tight ends. We've seen the Patriots run a two tight end offense in the past with um, back when they had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. And, uh, you know, they've gone now outside Hunter Henry and uh, John o. Smith. And it's like, wow, they've got some weapons. And I don't think they're done. I think yeah. they're going to make a couple more moves. They still had, I looked here a moment ago, uh, they still have $15 million in cap money. And that cap money they still have left for the 2021 season is basically the carryover money. That's pretty nice. Pretty good shape to be in uh, for uh, that bunch there uh, as far as that goes. How about the Bears? They they signed Andy Dalton, and we heard that the Seahawks declined their trade for Russell Wilson. Obviously, they don't have Deshaun Watson right now either. How does Ryan Pace still have a job? How is he still the GM of the Bears? Ten years later – Still no quarterback. I mean, it, it makes no sense to me. I mean, are the Bears cursed? Are they never going to have a franchise quarterback here? Well, they, they got – the biggest problem they had is they, they took Trubisky you know, four years ago now. Right. Um, they took Mitchell Trubisky uh, so high, and the, the knock on him really that people didn't really talk about as much was that he only really played one full season of college football. Right. He just didn't have the snaps. He didn't have the on the field. You can look great in all your pro days. And you can throw the ball great. And you can look great at practice. But it's a different speed when everybody's on the field. There's a different speed between the ACC and the NFL. And Boy, you're telling me Andy Dalton's not a, a franchise quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> Andy Dalton was clearly the last resort. Um, I mean, this was the, oh, my gosh, we don't have a quarterback and really, it was if they didn't sign Andy Dalton, they were going to have to extend Trubisky. <laughs> so tell me what's the win there if you're a Bears fan. 
So, um, you know, they struck out on the Russell Wilson deal. Uh, they made sure in a very, very big way to make sure that it got public what they offered, or at least supposedly offered for him. You know, I that was obviously someone feeding somebody so that someone in the Bears organization can keep their job. Hey, we offered three first-round picks and this and this and this for him. Um, a Russell Wilson deal is not getting done unless there's a contract extension involved. Right. Plain and simple. They have to do a contract extension with a whole bunch of bonus in the second in the second year, so the new team takes all the bonus and can take all the cap hits. Um, you know, it's difficult to do that. And I think the same thing will happen with Watson. Um, I, well, I don't know we can get to that in a second, but I just think the Bears struck out here because I don't think if they didn't put enough, um, you know, butter on the bread, so to speak, <laughs> I think that the Seahawks just said, hey, what are we going to do? We don't want to punt the 2022 season. We've got a chance. And if we give up Russell Wilson without returning a franchise quarterback or a pick high enough to draft one, what do we do? I think it's more of a PR thing than anything else on that side. Okay. So with that being said, with Deshaun Watson, who you mentioned there, um, He's still a member of the Houston Texans. He, you know, they, they bring in Mark Ingram, and Ingram says that he's hoping to play with Deshaun Watson. I'm sure he is hoping that's the case. Um, but now you have these two civil lawsuits come out against Deshaun Watson, which he's denied. Um, do you think that has any effect now on the movement of Deshaun Watson? I think it could limit some of the options for Deshaun Watson. Now, he has come out, to his credit, he has come out and vehemently denied this he's not hedging his bets on this he is saying this is not true um so just by the reaction that he's coming out with it makes me think that i mean if you're going to fight this loud then there's probably something then he's proud i don't want to say he's in the right because we don't know what happened i'm not trying to say that i know i'm only judging this based on the appearance of what publicly has happened and said from the Deshaun Watson camp. It makes me believe that the young man thinks that he didn't do anything wrong and that someone trying to get him for, for some money. And I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm not saying he's right, but that's what it looks like in my opinion. And I think that's, I'm basing that purely off what I've seen that could hinder uh, a trade. The biggest hindrance is not this stuff off, off the field. The biggest hindrance is the salary cap. It, it, well, I think it's twofold. I think it's the salary cap and the Texans have got to figure out what they can do if they were to trade Deshaun Watson. They are not getting a franchise quarterback back. They're not going to get a high enough pick to draft um, Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. And I made this point that we talked about this earlier in the week. Name me the quarterback or the player, I should say, any player currently on the Houston Texans roster, other than Deshaun Watson, that they can put on a billboard that you drive by on the highway that says, buy your season tickets now. Uh, Will Fuller? <laughs> no, go ahead. Maybe. Who? Maybe Will Fuller. He's a free, he's a free agent. Yeah, that was about to say. That's the yeah. only person I think I can name well, on that roster. Mark Ingram. Fuller's gone. Watt is gone. If they trade 
Deshaun Watson, that's their three biggest names. So then the question becomes, okay, well, do you just take the L? You know, we talked a lot in the last couple of weeks about there'll be some teams that are going to kind of punt this coming season. Are the Texans one of those teams? If they trade Deshaun Watson, it's a $20 million dead cap hit. Mm -hmm. Now, if they trade him after June the 1st, it's only five. The problem is if you make the trade now, you could possibly get picks in this year's draft. You do it in June, you get nothing in the 2021 draft. Your fan base is pissed because they lost their best player, their best quarterback they've ever had, their generational player, and they don't get anything to be excited about on draft day. Right. So tell you what, if if I had the money, I would buy a billboard in Houston and I would put Bill O'Brien on it to say, get your tickets for the 2021 season. Just go <laughs> Texans. Blame that's, what I, that's what I would do. Yeah. Bo, I do agree with you on the Deshaun Watson thing. I don't know if you guys saw it. They, they were saying who initiated that lawsuit um, or the initial proceedings, and it's a guy who also has initiated a lawsuit against an HOA uh, because they wouldn't let him park his World War II tank in the street. Oh, that's got Texas written all over it. <laughs> oh. So I'm thinking, oh, my God. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely Texas. Yeah, Texas, the home of shotgun racks and open beverage containers. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. Nah, the hell with them. <laughs> uh, Texas, Louisiana's little brother. Um, Texas, where they think they can play football as good as we do in Louisiana. Um <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, uh, no, back to the Watson thing. I, I do think that he's going to get traded. I think it's going to be after June. The, oh, it'll be after the draft and it won't be effective till June the 1st there. I don't see how they make this trade before the draft. Um, if they can, they're basically paying $15 million in dead money for whatever pick they get in the first round. Uh, the deal, I think if it does happen, the deal, I think they get, because, again, talking about who do you put on a billboard, I think the deal is the Miami Dolphins. For Tua. And I think you include Tua in the deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, you got, but the Texans are going to have to get somebody coming back. And it's going to look really foolish if that deal was Tua and the pick they already had <laughs> at number three overall. Can you imagine? <laughs> it, that's like the, the movie draft day, you know. <laughs> I want my picks back. <laughs> You know, no, it ain't gonna work That's that an awful way. Movie, by the way. Yeah, um, uh, but I, I think that the, if the Watson thing happens, I think it's after the draft, and it's the Dolphins making the deal for it. Okay. I think that they they're building a good a good roster. That's going to be an ultra competitive division now with what the Patriots have done and the Bills have done. The Dolphins are going to need a quarterback. Yeah, and I don't know if they're sold on to us. Uh, well, they clearly that one makes sense to me. Clearly, they weren't based on the way that they, they benched him a couple times for Fitzmagic and how that all went down. So yeah. uh, a couple more things here. Let's, uh, let's talk Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we already knew about them bringing in J.J. Watt. Now you add A.J. Green to a wide receiving core that already has DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Are we ready to crown the Arizona Cardinals the NFC West champs? You know, this no. is good, right? Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead, Tom. No, no, that's it. No, we're not. So this is what you're supposed to do with a young quarterback. 
You're supposed to go get in pieces. Oh, yeah. This looks like the greatest show on turf. I mean, you know what's bullshit? The NFC West being a fucking arms race. I am sick and tired of it. I am sick and tired of it. As a fan in that division, it's just like, holy shit. Can we not? The Cardinals are supposed to be bad. I don't know how good A.J. Green's going to be. He's kind of been lackluster, but it doesn't hurt. <laughs> you know, the A.J. Green thing to me, you know, he, he has not been the player the last two, three seasons that he was in the beginning of his career. Sure. Um, but the same thing, he's also been the guy, and practically the only guy on that offense. You know, he had Andy Dalton throwing to him until this season, and he was hurt half this season. Um, I think that it's going to be interesting. You put him on the opposite side of – you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to draw some some man coverage both ways. And then you have Kirk. And then if if Larry Fitzgerald decides to stay on for one more season and one more ride, boy, that's a hell of a slot receiver. <laughs> I mean, think about that. I mean, that's – you run four wide with those guys. I mean, someone's getting open. And, and in the case of Larry Fitz, too, this is a guy that – you know, he's been in the league since, what, 03, 04? And for his age, he's still playing very good for his age at this point, too. Yeah, he's – to me, Larry Fitzgerald's always been underrated. I mean, he's just a phenomenal yes. athlete, a phenomenal football player. He's underrated going back to college. He should have won the Heisman in his senior year. And and in the NFL, I mean, he had to play in Arizona his whole career. He didn't have to, but he chose to once he got there and stayed there his whole career. You know, he is iconic for that franchise. And I hope for his sake they are competitive and they can get him a chance if he decides to stay one more year. I've always been a fan of his. I think he's done things the right way. I really don't like that phrase and that that kind of idea, but he is the guy. It's like he's a great role model. Yeah. To, to anybody and to a young player, to any young person. And you just if you want to root for somebody, he's a guy definitely to root for. The uh, Chiefs, their offensive line, they released their starting tackles, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. Both of them didn't play in the Super Bowl with injuries. And now you bring in Kyle Long on a very team-friendly deal, one year, $5 million. And they added a couple pieces to that offensive line. You and I, we, we talked about, okay, you, you got to get Patrick some help. Uh, what are you going to do with that offensive line here? What do you think of where the Chiefs are headed when it comes to retooling this offensive line right now? Well, I think the way they're retooling the offensive line is to really going to show what they're going to try to do differently offensively already next year. Um, they bring in um, Joe Thune from the Patriots, a great left guard. I mean, fantastic left guard. Um, what that tells me is twofold. One, they want to run the ball more. You need some interior guys for that. Um, also, it helps your pass rush if you can run the, the – it helps limit the pass rush if you can run the ball more. But then what was that we kept saying during the Super Bowl was throw the screen pass. This guy is a master of blocking on the screen pass. So they're going to get some more stuff with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think it's a great pickup. I think Kyle Long is going to be just as good as Eric Fisher uh, playing left tackle. you got an experienced guy who was great his whole career – takes a year off, gets his body healthy. I saw one of the pictures of him. He was like a beast right now. He's 315. He's looking great. I think that's exactly what Mahomes needed is to retool left side. That'll help the run game. It'll help slow pass rushes down. 
I've never been a fan of Eric Fisher from the beginning. And I think that this is really a really couple great moves by the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs, the moves they've made have been limited, but they've really been good so far. I, I get a lot of respect to Brett Veach. He has not made a free agent splash because the two things he addressed aren't sexy. Garden tackle aren't sexy, but they've done that. We talked off the air. The biggest thing I see coming for the Chiefs is what are they going to do about Tyreek Hill's contract? Yeah. He and Tyron Matthew, and they got to figure out which, which of those two or, or both of those two are going to get extensions. Uh, probably Matthew first because he's only got one year left. Um, if they can work out a deal there, it's helpful. But they're only two years away on Tyreek Hill, and he's going to want some money. And uh, frankly, he's been a good boy the last couple of years. He stayed out of trouble. He's been a model citizen. You know, he's doing the coaching thing at the high school uh, there in town. And man, I just, Tyreek Hill's changed my opinion of him in the last few years. And I think that now he's going to be owed some money. The Chiefs are going to have to hold the bag and, and hand it over to him sooner than later. And they're looking mm-hmm. for every dollar they can. They released Damon Williams despite yeah. only getting owed $2.5 million next year and such. So yeah. We'll see where the uh, Chiefs go from here. I got one more for you. Um, Patrick Peterson, $10 million to Minnesota. A lot of pressure on Mike Zimmer and company this year. And Kirk Cousins, I mean, they got a lot to prove. That whole organization does for uh, this upcoming season, don't they? I'm a big fan of Patrick Peterson. He's an LSU guy. He's one of my favorites. Uh, Patrick Peterson is a guy who is an instant captain on their defense. He's an instant experienced guy who can come in and say – Here's what you young guys need to do. Um, you're paying just as much for that as he's on the field. He is not as good on the field today as he was three years ago. Um, frankly, I'm surprised by the number. One year, $10 million. I thought he was going to get less than that. I thought seven or eight was probably going to be the cap for Patrick Peterson. Uh, happy he got 10. Good for him. Always here for the player. And um, in this case, I think it's a fit. Uh, as a Saints fan, I hate it because I don't want to see the Vikings do anything good. Uh, but, uh, man, I'm, I'm happy that he got, got got some money. And I think it is a good, experienced back half of the back, – back part of the defense that there. And, uh, you know, it's going to be much needed. I mean, they're in the same division with Aaron Rodgers, and you play him twice a year. And you've got to figure out what to do there. Um, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me what the Vikings did there. Yeah. All right. We, we got just about two minutes left. So I want to get one more college note in you before we go. Uh, can we all laugh in Nebraska for trying to get out of that Oklahoma game next year? <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. So tell me, I, I'm, I'm aware of the story, but what is the full story here? They just. The full story is that, uh, that they claim that they were looking for an eighth home game against either a Mac school or Old Dominion for economic reasons, um, and that they were looking to cancel that Oklahoma game when in actuality Scott Frost knows his job's on the line is trying to look for any win he can to get into a bowl game to save his bacon. He's looking for the sixth win. Huh? Yeah, they are going to get just drummed by Oklahoma. That's just a – Nebraska is not Tom Osborne's Nebraska. And the game is on the 50th anniversary of the game of the century. So let's just forget history, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, let's disrespect uh, this great rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. For you, Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Yeah, go Big Red. Go go get out of that game quickly. Yeah. (laughs) Bo, we got to run. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Uh, Always fun. O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com, OAGKS.com. Check them out there. Bo, we'll talk to you next week. Hey, thank you. You guys have a good one. Big thanks to Coach Bo for joining us here on the Jones Sports Today. Tyler Jones, Tyler Bridge is back here with you now. A couple more things before we go. Let's talk some NBA real quick. And uh, starting with Oklahoma City, they made a couple moves this week as the trade deadline nears. And uh, they uh, move on from, uh, from Lou Dort and company. And uh, they uh, are bringing in, making a couple moves. We see uh, Trevor Reza is gone. Myers Leonard and a, a draft pick is coming in. And uh, I, guess, I don't know if Leonard's actually going to stay there or not. Uh, I guess they're talking about moving him on. But this I read, was, I read he's not going to even be with the team at all. Okay. And, and if you're a Thunder fan, that's good because Myers Leonard is the same guy that uh, made the anti-Semitic comments uh, a couple days ago that were uh, under fire and such. So uh, Sam Presti always moving the needle of sorts, you know, trying to make moves and such. And, and uh, the Thunder, we, we know they're, they're not going anywhere this year. Um, they're, they're still trying to, uh, you know, find some value of sorts here uh, with, with some of these moves. What do you make of what the uh, Thunder did? Uh, you know, I, I speak, you know, in the case of Sfee, I guess he's just a placeholder of sorts. Uh, you know, I, I liked Sfee at KU and such, but he's just a three-point specialist. He's not going to do anything else. What do you think of the uh, rest uh, of what, what Sam's done there in Oklahoma City, Tom? Yeah, I like what he's doing. I, I feel like he probably called up, um, you know, the Heat and were like, hey, so you got some of those second-round picks laying around. Uh, what are you trying to do with them? You know, I, I feel like he's a he's a pick hunter, which is which is fine. You know, it works out. Um, and, you know, why not have more ammo? They're not going to do anything with Tre- Trevor Rees anyway, so you might as well get something. Um, and, you know, they're not going to – they're not having anything on, on Myers Leonard anyway. So in that case, they'll be fine. Um, you know, now if they were going to keep him, that might look really bad, but, um, for the most part, um, I mean, I, I like the, the pick hunterness and and Sam Presti go get those pieces and get a, get a chance. You know, you, it's like playing the lotto. You just have as many potential chances as possible to, to have somebody good. Um, and you just keep firing on them and, you know, you throw a bunch of shit at the wall. Eventually something's going to stick. So might as well have the most chances to do so, even a second rounder. Yeah. I, I didn't like them moving on from, uh, having a Diallo though. I, I would have rather had him than, uh, than speed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, a lot of people I thought felt that that was maybe not a wrong move or maybe too trigger happy on the moves because I, I like Diallo with the Thunder as well. And I think he enjoyed um, the Thunder. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, other moves, Tom, uh, you think uh, anyone else is uh, going to be aggressive here as this deadline nears? You know, they said trying to find someone for LaMarcus Aldridge. I don't see it happening at this point. Um, I think they're going to buy him out. That, For the most part, that's what I can see happening. Um, I think they'll Probably be a few other buyouts that happen, um, but it's just not a it's not a buyer's market right now. Um, and and you know why trade for Aldridge if he's going to be bought out and you think you have a shot to get him? 
Um, he doesn't move the needle too much right now. So I think for, for the Spurs, they'll probably just buy him out, save some, you know, take the cut in the short term and um, keep that cap space open for, for next season. But other than that, it's starting to slow down a bit. Um, but there still could be some shakeups that, that end up happening. We still have a week. Yeah. Uh, the Bucs uh, bring in uh, P.J. Tucker from the uh, Rockets. Does that move the needle at all for the Bucs, you think? I think so. It seemed like from what I had heard, a lot of people were buying for P.J. Tucker. Um, and, you know, the Rockets are obviously selling off the selling off the ship. I, there are reports that um, the Warriors had wanted Victor Oladipo, but I guess the asking price was too high there. But um, for the Bucks, I think that moves the needle enough. I, I don't know uh, how big of a needle move that is, but I, I still think it does have some value to it. Yeah. Um, in the case of the Nets, this team is uh, is starting to gel now, starting to click. Uh, you know, their record is 28 and 13. Kevin Durant still isn't back yet. Um, you know, he's injured. And I, I think we're looking at what, a two, three week timetable before he returns. And, you know, we, we wondered about, OK, how can you get Kyrie and James Harden and Kevin Durant to all mesh? It seems like at least for now that Kyrie and Harden have something going good. You get Kevin Durant out there, Tom, and, you know, make those three happen. We, we talked about when this trade went down, like, oh, that's a lot of egos to feed. But if the Nets are playing this good now before KD shows up, you, you would just have to think that's a good sign that they're only going to get better, that this team is – going to take even another step up when KD gets back. Maybe I'm being too obvious here and even saying that, but um, certainly it looks like things for Steve Nash and company are headed in the right direction. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's a good problem to have, you know, well, well, KD's coming back. So now we have to fit him back in the rotation. That's, I mean, you're happy about that. You're not, you know, you're not sad. Oh, well, we got to fit him in there. Uh, if you're already playing well, then that's just uh, the rich get richer at that point. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's going to happen, unfortunately. Do you think? Uh, for everybody not named the Nets. Right. And if that's the case, you know, we, we wondered about the Egos, sure. But it looks like they're figuring it out. And they're going to get better, you would think, from here. Now they got to be the team to beat in the East. Um, we, we wondered, okay, if they get over that hurdle, that's the thing that potentially holds them back, then that's the team. Now it looks like these things are being worked out. Um, they're the like, right. I mean, they're the ones to go through, right? You would, you would think so. I would be shocked if they're not there towards the end or at the end at all. I would be very shocked. Right. I think I think everybody would be sh- the league would be shocked. Uh, I'd like to see the the Bavada line for the Nets making the finals. I, I mean, I'm sure it's negative. Um, in the- I'm sure you pay a hundred. I'm sure you could bet a hundred to win eighty at this point. Right. Yeah. Um, and then in the uh, West, I know Utah's got the best record in the league right now, and Phoenix is too. But. LeBron has been through this thing before. He knows that you don't have to be the one seed to win it all. I mean, hell, Miami was the five seed. Now, granted, it was the bubble and such. But, uh, Tom, 
I like what Utah and Phoenix are doing. No, don't get me wrong, I do. But that's still the Lakers to lose at this point. I, I don't. It, it doesn't affect me if uh, my opinion on the Lakers' chances too much if they end up in the three seed when it's all said and done. I mean, it's like the Warriors a few years ago. They pretty much – Steve Kerr just said, hey, as long as we're in the playoffs, we're all right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much what that comes down to. Lakers could be one, two, four, and they're going to be fine. Uh, uh, I mean – Go ahead. The, the, the West is so up there anyway that it's not going to matter too much um, really what happens. They're going to they're gonna be just fine. I mean – the one seed, I'm sure, would hope that the Lakers weren't there at four. If, if it ends up being the Jazz, they're not going to want to see the Lakers second round, I can guarantee it. Um, Tom, a Lakers-Nets final. I know that you, know, you and I both you know, despise the makeup of those teams. But from just a, an interest standpoint of the names that would be involved – would that intrigue you? Would you would you watch? Would you get excited about a, a Lakers Nets final? Obviously, Anthony Davis has got to get back, of course, for the Lakers. It's you know, they, they certainly need him, but um, do you think that interest level is is in, in if that's the final, is that interest level there as it was even just four or five years ago in an NBA final? Oh, 100 percent I mean, think of the names. Uh, I mean, the NBA is salivating at the mouth, hoping for that to happen. Um, and and who's to say that that the Lakers don't get someone in the buyout market? Like, uh, maybe who knows? They could get in a Lamarcus Aldridge out of this deal. Uh, the buyout market happens. So, I mean, it's the pieces aren't even all in place yet. But I mean, for the Nets, it seems that way. Um, but I mean, the Lakers still could grab a vet, you know, from the you know, from the buyout market that, you know, someone that's, like I said, I hate to say it again, but could be like in a LaMarcus Aldridge and end up, you know, yeah. being a, a decently key piece for them. So um, really going to be interesting to see. I mean, if it's obviously, I don't think it's going to be the Spurs and the Thunder fans here. No, it's not going to be the Thunder. So if it's neither one of those, I guess, you know, it's better than seeing the Warriors again. <laughs> you know, I mean, all things considered. Right. All things considered, indeed. All right. Um, we've had a big show today, and we've covered so much ground. Um, before we get out of here today, time for our Town Fullery story of the week. Tom, where are we going to head to this time? Uh, pause me real quick. Jones, when's the last time you've been to a theme park? Um, I went to uh, Silver Dollar City over Christmas. Did you ride any roller coasters? I did, actually. I love roller coasters. Did, did you scream? I did not. I'm not a screamer. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Well, I don't know if it's good to know or not. Uh, um, did anybody else scream? Uh, Yes. Well, Jones, that would not be uh, that might be allowed in Missouri, but that would not be allowed in California anymore. And this was today uh, coming from Fox 5 Vegas, even though this is based out of Cali. No screaming on California theme park rides due to COVID-19 guidelines, say Los Angeles. When Southern California's theme parks reopen as early as April, 
It could be one with very significant and silent difference. No screaming on rides. The California Attraction and Park Association, a trade group which represents theme parks statewide, is backing a plan that would tamp down on shouting on rides such as roller coasters in an effort to help prevent the spread of coronavirus. California's reopening guidelines call for businesses to limit activities that can spread the virus, such as singing and shouting. That means that the visitors to parks such as Disneyland, Universal Studios, Six Flags, and Knott's Berry Farm may be asked to keep it down on such rides. Face covering usage and or modifications to seat loading patterns will be required on the amusement park rides to mitigate the effects of shouting. CAPA wrote in a responsible a reopening plan. Additionally, on rides, guests generally face in one direction. Both LA and Orange counties moved into the red tier of the state's reopening blueprint this week, which allows for theme parks to reopen beginning April 1. They've been closed since March of 2020. Under the guidelines, they will be allowed to reopen at 15% capacity, but with in-state visitors only. Visitors are limited to groups of no more than 10 and from no more than three households. No indoor dining is allowed and tickets must be purchased online in advance. Jones, if I'm that, I'm just not going. <laughs> just just wait a little bit longer. Wait till June. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I don't normally yell on roller coasters either. I was just going to say. But it, I mean, it's, screw that. I mean. 15% capacity, okay, that would be beneficial because that means you could ride all the rides um, because there's not going to be that many people, which is awesome. I wonder how much tickets are going to be because, you know, those theme parks are hurting, so I imagine that they will be jacked up a little bit. Um, but, I mean, if okay, Jones, I can't remember the last time I've been to a theme park. It's, I went to uh, Frontier City, I think, like five summers ago, maybe longer than that. Okay. Um, remember Bells in Tulsa? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100, 110% I remember Bells. Bells. Very rinky-dink, but you had to be there to love it. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's. Uh, I don't know what the right term is for it, but it's... I wouldn't call it bittersweet, but it's, it's looked upon lovingly. And maybe that's because it's no longer here. Right. Uh, they've talked about bringing bells back for like ever and nothing's ever come of it um, I guess I've rode like state fair rides but even then like why even go to a theme park if it's just it, I mean I get why they're doing it I mean I imagine shouting is not the best you know effective way to, pre to prevent COVID you know, I'm sure I get why they said that or did that, but at that point, I'm just I'm just not going to go. Right. I'll just wait until it's open fully um, to figure it out, and from then on, I'll just figure something else out. I mean, I've made it this long, so. <laughs> uh, if Tom can't scream, he's not interested. Right, exactly. I want to be screaming. I wonder how how you know go. I'm, I'm sure your second dose of the vaccine's coming up soon. I just got my shot on Tuesday, um, so I'm due back for the second one um, on April 6th. And I know that second one's coming for you sooner than later. Next week. So I wonder. I wonder how the vaccine, if it'll open things up more in terms of, you know. Screaming? I don't. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I just think it's like 
okay, if, if it's going to be such a party pooper type deal about it. I mean, I get, I get it. I get it. But at the same time, like, screw that. I'll just wait a little bit longer and we'll go when it's just party city. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not dying to go to a f***ing theme park. I mean, Disneyland's cool, but I'm not, I'm not dying to go meet Mickey Mouse. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, how are, are what are they going to take you off and stop the middle roller coaster mid ride? Be like, all right, you're out of here. <laughs> I mean, how do they enforce that? I don't, I don't, I mean, I get, like I said, I get it. I don't want to be the asshole. It's like, oh, well, you're not trying to prevent COVID, yada, yada, yada. But I mean, I can see why. I, I understand it. But doesn't mean I have to go to Universal Studios and not yell. I might yell because the beer prices are too high. <laughs> I love for you that this is solely just based on principle. You're not going to yell anyway. It's just the principle of it that infuriates you. It is. I mean, it's just like, oh, okay, I wasn't going to yell anyway, but quit being lame. If you're going to open, open the thing. Open it up. You know what I mean? O open it. If you're going to open, let at it. I mean, don't I open think, the theme park. I Next thing, no indoor dining. Okay, fine. I wasn't going to eat indoor anyway. I'm getting the, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting the freaking overpriced uh, funnel cake and the biggest beer you can find. In my case, Tom, and Tom knows this uh, from knowing me so long too, a lot of people mistake because I, you know, my voice carries, they think I'm yelling when I'm just talking. And so I feel like, Tom, if I was just trying to talk on the ride to the next person next to me, I might be screwed. I might get kicked out then. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're on a Zoom call right now. I feel like I might be getting COVID from you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, no, I get where you're coming from. Your voice is odd. You were 15 years old. I thought you were a 30-year-old man. Unfortunately, I'm almost a 30-year-old man, and my voice still doesn't carry like yours. <laughs> uh, Bo and I, we have the same microphone, and... I, I have my knob at about just a quarter level. Bo's is about halfway. Uh, that's the difference, how significant it is to match our voices at the same volume. I mean, yeah, that's just how I've always been in that sense. So I guess that I cannot ride a roller coaster. I would, I would gladly ride a roller coaster. And I'm a roller coaster guy. Uh, but I guess... I couldn't take that risk in California because I, I, I don't want to be arrested or kicked out. That's the other thing. Do you just get kicked out or do you get like handcuffed and such? What are you in here for? What are, I don't think do that. What are you in here for? Oh, I yelled on a roller coaster. Oh. Imagine. Yeah. How are you going to? Okay. If, you know, there's a five-year-old kid on a roller coaster. You're going to be like, honey, now don't scream. <laughs> no. That ain't, that ain't working. That's just not working. I mean... I, th I just, I thought just, California knew how to party. I mean, they do, but I mean, it's, it's just like, I get it. And they want to open, but just, okay, just wait a little bit longer. No one, you know, we've been itching. Maybe it's because we don't have kids, Jones. Maybe that's why theme parks are for kids. 
you know, I'll still, I would still go to Universal Studios and go to like Harry Potter World or whatever. I mean, I don't even not that big a Harry Potter fan. I would go though, but I'm not itching to go to theme park. I'm itching. I don't know what I'm itching for yet. I mean, yeah. to be fair, I've, I've pretty much done everything during COVID. I mean, I still host karaoke. Uh, I mean, I still DJed. I still went on trips. I mean, not in a packed facility or not in a club where it was people to people. Really, Jones, what I'm itching for is a concert. Okay. You can keep the theme parks. I'm itching for a festival or a concert of some sort. I think that's what everyone's itching for, but obviously that goes, what are you going to go? They're going to, next thing you know, Jones, they're going to be like, all right, you guys, we're going to do concerts again, but nobody can sing along. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Um, now I'll, I'll say this, Tom, uh, while we're on the top of our roller coasters, I feel like I just need to get this out there. Here's my roller coaster takes. You ready? Uh, right. Worlds of Fun in Kansas City sucks. It's overpriced. You don't get your money's worth. Silver Dollar City, very good. But the lines are too long, though. They need to do something about that. Um, my favorite uh, park I've been to is a Universal Studios. Disney was cool, but it was kind of overwhelming. Same thing, like very packed and such. Universal Studios was uh, was my favorite theme park. So and, and so those are my uh, my theme park takes now. You know, I, I, I like that. It's Like I said, it's been forever. It's been since middle school, so like 14 years, that I've been to uh, Universal. But I did enjoy Universal when I went. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I had a blast. But like I said, that's when I was like 13. So I don't, I guess I don't really go to very many theme parks. I mean, Frontier City, sure. It's kind of lame now, but... Uh, it's been a while since I've been to Branson. I'm not a fan of Branson. I just never have been. But, um, I mean, after the Ride the Ducks thing, then it's just kind of like, well, okay, well, stay away from Branson. But uh, in all reality, I I'm just not a big theme park guy. Maybe that's why I'm so critical of it. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll ride the roller coaster or I'll, you know, have a couple of beers at the state fair and get on something that could kill me. Well, the problem is that, you and I are at the age now where we can't just go to theme parks, even just like you and I, without looking like weirdos. Yeah, like, that would be a little weird, wouldn't it? What are these adults just doing at the theme park? You know, adult men. Like, we've well, we could go to Disney and, and drink out the bar. I mean, but I don't really want to pay eight dollars a beer, uh, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I mean we will, uh, Go buy our own beer for much cheaper and get on out of here today. And we can scream in the comfort of our own homes. Yes, exactly. Uh, we, we, we shall. Big thanks to uh, Lucy Rodine for joining us. Also, Brian O'Connor, Coach Bo, for stopping by as well. You, the listener, for hanging out with us. Subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Or don't leave us one at all. And check us out on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, and Thomas underscore Bridges at TJ Media Group, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Instagram is Jones underscore report. And we will see you all right back here next week. Same time, same place. For Thomas Bridges, Ron O'Connor, Lucy Rodine, our entire crew of Tyler Jones Sing Song. It's been another edition of Jones Report. We'll see you next week. Thanks.